get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians on the Chris Spangle Show. Thanks so much for joining us. We are so excited you're here. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about AR-15s. I don't understand guns. Our guest, Jordan Laycock, friend of the show, longtime listener, and sponsor of this episode, does understand and has a cool product that we're going to talk about. And uh, Harry Price will also be here to explain to us layman's how it goes. So, thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned. We'll be right at, back after these messages. Warning. This show is for adults, produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. Thanks so much for joining us. We are so glad that you are here. We are live from the Doolittle Studios, and we are streaming this on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and uh, Twitter and all the places. We actually have internet here at the Doolittle Studios, uh, the We Are Libertarian Studios, low-key wall recorded in here last night fun little clubhouse that we have built that uh, my wife walked in and went oh my god i need to clean this place and organize this is terrible next time let me do it which is why you know that it looks good so uh harry harry price is here harry how are you doing good doing good we have a lot of work to do uh the camera angles are not good on this uh it's sort of you know it's been it's taken us three or four months to kind of get settled in the Mm -hmm. audio still is Mostly okay. We're working on that a little bit. Uh, you know, we've got our decorations set up, but yeah. our LED lights don't look great. Our camera angles don't look great. Our decorations don't look great, but we'll settle in. Yeah, yeah. We got to settle in. There's a lot of things to keep doing. We continue, uh, continue scene improvement. I want to call it CSI. Yes. Yeah. We continue improving the scene, but we did a great test run to make sure all this stuff is, was working last night. So it just works. Everything plums and works. And the one thing we did find out from the internet service is because the guy who did the installation, I found out from the detection that came after I filed a ticket. Yeah. He's apparently notorious for just setting things up and never activating like the lines. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you put this in like a month ago, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, he's just notorious for not activating. Yeah. So like with the other people that came in that ran us a brand new line, didn't know that it just wasn't activated. Yeah, so, you know, if you're a long-time listener, then you're obviously familiar with the panel format here of We Are Libertarians. On the Chris Spangle Show, there's also a separate wall feed if you want to just listen to these separately without uh, my interviews and other content. Uh, you can go check that out in any store. Now, you know, the game plan is this. A couple times a month, we're going to get together here and do We Are Libertarians, and uh, then every other Saturday we'll be a monologue from me, or I'm working on a cool history show that'll be, you know, a couple hours on the history of the protocol, protocols of the Zions of Elder, um, and it talks a lot on monarchy and liberalism and democracy and racism and conspiracy theories. So look for that uh, next week, and so every Saturday you'll have something in the feed, and then every Wednesday you'll get an interview um, on. You know, a lot of these young voices interviews are on topics that are not covered, not discussed too much in the news. Those are the ones that I tend to choose for my friends there. And, and then there will be occasional other things added to the feed and more content. But 
Uh, last year was the year of consistency. That's what I promised. We did 65 episodes, Harry, which is, is the most that we've ever done in a year on the feed. Um, eh, that, that may not be true. The That's year true. 2017, when we were doing two a week, probably would have yeah. been the, much, yeah. the most. But that didn't last. <clears throat> um, but we are back. Finally kind of have – I have my life together. I have my health together. I have my house together, my family together. Uh, and so we're we're rolling. So that is – if you want to hear more, uh, there are two bonus episodes that I posted this week. One for all the patrons and then one for the $25 and $100 month patrons. That was an hour look into how I produce all my podcasts, how I produce this network, what my goals are, where I'm, where I'm going moving forward. And uh, for all the patrons, kind of a little explanation of where we've been and, and what's gone on with me personally. So – Go check that out. Join our Patreon at um, patreon.com slash libertarians. You can also grab it in the show notes. Uh, listen, as long as the Patreon is is growing and we are paying the bills, we will continue to do this show. If it's not, then we're going to close it down. But so I'm just warning you, you've got to go join. If you listen to this show, you like this show, pitch in five bucks. If we give you something of value, which I think that that we do for sure, then please pitch in uh, and become a patron. And we want to thank our $100 a month patrons, Jacques Idel. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, sorry. Um, I sorted the wrong thing. Um, see, Jordan, this is not what professionalism looks like. <laughs> yeah. Professionals are prepared. Uh, all right, Jason Doolittle, whose name bears this studio, thanks for giving us the seed money to get this place going here in our new studios. Christy Avery, Reinhold, who is suffering through a central committee meeting today. The Duke of Juke, it's Vince Peichel, Matthew Durbin, Lars Nordskog, and Jackie Dell. Thank you all for being $100 a month members. You guys are the backbone of the We Are Libertarians podcast network and the Chris Spangle Show, and we thank you so much. Uh, another person, our guest today, uh, in full yeah. disclosure, he is an ad, a new advertiser, uh, but he is going to bring something of value to us today and talk about a topic that I don't know much about. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, guns, specifically AR-15s. We'll also talk about the new pistol grip. Don't let me forget that. Um, Jordan is a longtime listener who's listened to almost every episode of the podcast and uh, uh, were a patron at one time. Uh, but you have a new child. Congratulations. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, that gets a little tough. Five-week-old little girl. Yes, which is why he looked at me after about an hour and a half of being here and said, can we get this going? I've got to go home before my <laughs> wife kills me. Um, I was late today because my wife was headed to Nashville, Tennessee, when she realized she had the key for the other car, and that was 10 o'clock when I was supposed to be here. So I had to Uber here um, with my nice Albanian driver. Um, but Jordan, you've listened forever. Tell us a little bit about how you found us and, and what you've learned. Yeah, so I don't remember exactly when I started listening, but it was when I was just becoming a libertarian and just pulled up the podcast app I was using. I think it was Google um, Music at the time and just searched libertarians. And this was the one that popped up. So I was like, oh, I'll try it out. Uh, kind of like I would do with sitcoms and TV shows. I started at the beginning. So I went back to episode one, and there was already a, a couple years of episodes. So I went back to episode one and just started binging on it for months and months until I got caught up to present time. And then I've just stuck with it here over the past several years and shared it with quite a few other people. Well, 
muted myself again, not professional, not used to the studio. I'm used to my board at home and uh, being settled in. So sorry. Um, th- well, that's, that's great. Yeah. We, uh, love longtime listeners. You folks like you who have been around and understand you didn't show up early at, on purpose. Yeah. Though apparently I was still way too early. I was told to be here at 10. I got here at 10.05, mm-hmm. and I was the only one here. <laughs> <laughs> Harry was late to his own house. I texted Chris. He asked if I was his Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> I said, are you out front? And he goes, no, this is Jordan. <laughs> well, because low-key, well, well, we did a four-hour-plus podcast last night. So we got out of here. Like We stopped recording at about midnight last night. So we got out of here after closing this down like like one. In hindsight, I should have said 11. I should have told you and I 10 I thought you said 10 30 for him and 10 for, for well, us. Okay. That's what I heard. But well, I, yeah, it's fine. It's again, fine. We're, it's we're fine. working at the kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, we'll get a good CRM tool. It's our CRM tool. Sorry. We've got to get a new one. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be doing these. I'll, I'll ping. Uh, I think what I'll do is we have a new Facebook group. You can join the Facebook group. Uh, it's just search We Are Libertarians on Facebook. I'll let the Facebook group know the night before we go live. Um, and uh, maybe check the We Are Libertarians Twitter the night before, and I'll tell you when we'll be live. So if you want to join the live stream, leave a comment. You're always welcome to uh, leave a comment. This is a very visual episode that we're going to be discussing, so you can go check out the YouTube channel, subscribe there, and uh, check this out. We're also live in that group on Facebook and on Twitter, like I said. So please uh, be interactive, leave a comment, send us emails, chris at chrisbangle.com. Did you, did you not do Twitch? Twitch is on there, yeah. Huh. I just don't use Twitch and think about it ever. Okay. All right. That's fine. Uh, all right. So, Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Not only are you a great listener, you're a new advertiser with your company, Trigent. Um, what, what's your background, first of all? Yeah, so I spent 15 years in the Indian Army National Guard, deployed to Afghanistan in 2012, uh, spent most of my time as an engineer officer and then switched over to the, the infantry field. And so I finished my time as an infantry company commander. Uh, it was about that time that, or it was towards the end of my time that we came up with our invention. Now I do it with my dad and my brother. They're much better at kind of tinkering with things, tooling with things, improving them. So I had this kind of very complicated idea in my mind of what it was going to do, how it was going to look, how it was going to work. Took it to them and they kind of, they like the idea, but not much of it remains from my original idea. And they made it dramatically better. That's nice. But we started working on it. So was it a family business? Yeah. Yeah. It's just me, my dad, and my brother. Uh, We started it in my dad's garage. Now we have upgraded to a chicken coop. Uh, It's (laughs) been refurbished. It's nice. But it's a chicken coop. So you hand make these? <laughs> yes. Uh, we've handmade most of the parts. Some of them we've started to outsource so that we can you know, produce more units and they're, they're a higher quality when we're able to get them professionally made. But we, we assemble all the parts. We designed it all ourselves. It's, it's all just us. We're, we're self-funded. We're the ones doing it all. Okay. So tell I'll turn it on the, the stream here so people can kind of see – so look, I don't, uh, I don't know anything about guns. I fired guns one time, but what what gun do you have to your right? So this is an AR-15. Okay, the scary uh, one. Yes, yeah, okay. the one you can see how black it is. Very bothersome. Okay, um, you may pick it up and kind of show it to the camera a little bit more, just so people can kind of yeah, get so a. 
This is an AR-15. It's very similar to an M4. There are some minor differences. Which is what? What's an M4? That's the standard rifle that the military uses. Okay. Um, not just our military, but quite a few other militaries. Uh, there's some differences as far as the the fire. So this is only semi-automatic. One squeeze of the trigger gets one bullet. Okay. Uh, whereas the, the military rifles, you can do that semi-automatic or you can fire them on automatic mode. They've got a little bit different barrel, but it's the same general platform. Okay, so as I understand it, platform's a big deal. Explain platform when it comes to these guns. Yeah, so the platform is kind of the base of it and where a lot of the different parts and accessories have are the same across. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you, you can have different length barrels. You can have different length stocks. Uh, you can do different grips and stuff along along the barrel, but the the main guts of it are the same. It kind of almost looks like a pistol, like that grip on the bottom, but then it's got like a shoulder thingy, and then it's got a long barrel. Like, yeah, it's you sound like a Democratic congressman. It's got I, the sh- I, it's got the shoulder thing that goes up. I don't know anything <laughs> about this stuff. I don't, and I don't think a lot of our listeners do either. I didn't grow up around yeah. guns. I didn't serve in the military. I was four F on purpose because I was like, make these flat feet flatter. He, he he's not hammering this up. He's, he's, he's <laughs> this is generally this is... my level of knowledge. Um, so you're going to have to explain this stuff, and I think it's helpful for me to be this dumb. Um, because we're true, not true. Yes, because uh, what what I want to do here is explain the gun to people like me yep. who don't understand anything about it. But we see in the news how like this is a weapon of war, and and it sounds like it is. Like you do use a version of this, right? Like when you hear weapon of war, like what do you think? So when I think weapon of war, I think of massive machine guns. <laughs> you know rocket launchers, things like that. When I think of a true weapon of war, not the basic rifle that a soldier carries. And if you gave gave some soldiers the option, they would bring some of their own weapons from home. Like they're, they're specifically barred from, well, when you come to the range or when you deploy, you have to leave your personal weapons at home. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so to think of the M4, which is, again, has differences as far as being able to shoot fully automatic and things. But otherwise, it fires the same round. It does the same general thing. You know, to consider that a main weapon of war that you should be concerned about, that just doesn't match with the way war is conducted. Yeah, so – go ahead, Eric. Especially if you look at, like, the Ukrainian war. They're not asking the United States to send them (laughs) AR-15s. They're like, can you send us ARs? No, they're asking for HIMARS and now Abrams tanks. Right. And and they were even giving – rifles out giving machine guns out to their citizens the majority of it is uh drones now drones are are the major killer in the in that specific war but yes okay so when you pull the trigger it goes pop 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 pop, so this one one pop per trigger pull okay an m4 you can you can do that or you can hold the trigger and it will send rounds until your magazine runs out can you buy one of those no okay well with a special permit Mm -hmm. and everything Lots of loopholes, but they're very hard to come by and very rare. Yeah. So what does this do differently than what Elmer Fudd would have <laughs> with a, with a, a basic rifle? Like yeah, when it, you think of rifle, I think of Elmer Fudd and like deer hunting. How is this any different? It's not. It's the accessories and the features are more customizable than you know what, what he carried. Now, he carried a, a double barrel shotgun, mm-hmm. but it had a hard wooden stock. This one you can you can extend the stock. Okay. Can, so for me, someone that's got long arms, someone that's tall, you know, I can shoot the same rifle as my wife, who's five four, 
We can ex- we can bring the stock in. It's easier for it to hold. You've got the pistol grip on it, so again, it's easier for you to to control the weapon to do it to fire it correctly to make sure what you want to shoot at is what you're shooting at. Right. That's what most mm-hmm. of the features on it do. Yep. Is the shooter comfortable? Can they shoot at what they want to shoot at? <laughs> because you're shooting at what? Targets. Targets. Mm-hmm. Okay, not targets. Wildlife. Other people. Yes. Or... Correct. Yeah, that's why you see like a like like home invasion stuff like that. People are more accurate and put shots down range more accurately with a uh, AR-15 or a rifle platform than they are with a handgun. Usually, most people are very inaccurate with handguns, even at close range. Okay, so if somebody breaks into my house, I should have an AR-15 versus a Glock, a handgun. It depends on what you're more like. You would probably, if you had the choice, because how much you don't pick up guns, if you had the choice to pick up like my Glock or that AR, you'd be more accurate with that AR in the first few seconds than you would be with my Glock. Why? Um, my Glock's got a higher caliber, and there's not, and the only brace you have is your two limp wrists that you have, which... <laughs> What have you? First of all, funny. Second of all, yeah. but I'm an owed an apology. <laughs> Second, when you've got the rifle, that one's got it. Like that one's got optics on it. You can you can brush it up against your shoulders. You can use your body and your force into it. Once you lean into it, you'll have to be more accurate with it. Plus, and the recoil is lessened. A handgun is only a few inches long. Oh yeah, right. You know, yeah. This is thirty inches long almost. And what does that what does that matter? And so it gives well a a little movement on a handgun moves where the bullet's going to go much further than a little movement on a rifle. Okay. So so the the kickback, the firing, you know, if I go pop, 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 it's going to I'm going to I'm going to go everywhere with my limp wrists as he'd say. <laughs> uh, but I'll be more you're more stable with a rifle. Right. Okay. So in reality an AR is probably a better option for home defense. Yeah, you have to be more careful about where the bullets are going for any that you do miss. Mm-hmm. You know, Though a wall doesn't stop bullets unless it's a okay. concrete wall yeah. or a brick wall, you know that that will. But just your standard. So accuracy is incredibly yeah. important, and you're mm-hmm. going to be more accurate with a rifle. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Because I'm looking into buying a gun. We haven't talked about it yet um, because she and I have talked about it just by virtue of where we live and what we've had stolen already. Yeah. And- uh, you shotguns also very good. So like a kid just like shotgun, it's really nice. You can shoot them one handed. I can't have a kid shotgun. You'll never, you never let me live down the electric grill. <laughs> Which, by the way, what got stolen was my big green egg. So I'm back to my freaking electric grill. That um, is true. I would make fun of you for the. <laughs> I'm so I'm 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 devastated at but, the loss of my my uh, manhood. Yeah, but the use shotgun's great. You can shoot it one handed while on the phone. You know, if you have to call like uh, you know, police, <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, no. I'll, I'll outsource that. If I'm holding a weapon, I'm not also uh, te- texting the group chat saying call 911. <laughs> um, okay, so when you say caliber, can you talk about the bullets? Like what goes into this stuff? Let me turn on the, the camera here. But explain bullets for dummies here. Yeah, so these are a 5.56 caliber bullet. Uh, it's the NATO, these are the NATO standard 5.56 by 45. That describes the bullet itself. So usually when we'll People will use the word bullet in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. They'll say you'll call the whole thing a bullet. All right. Or technically, what's technically accurate is the actual part that comes out because the brass piece is just the case. So right. once the trigger's fired, the gunpowder is in there. It's going to eject the case, and then the bullet is act- the actual bullet at the end is what's traveling towards okay, so the it's target. That, that little copper top there is actually what travels to whatever you're shooting at, be it the deer. Or the uh, home invader, and then the brass is what 
fires away from the gun, and then Danny on uh, Blue Bloods finds and tracks you down, so he can. Uh, I, I I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So then, what is so the difference can be in the size of the case, in the size of the tip. What? Yeah, all of it. So it okay. can be the size of the bullet itself. It can be how much powder is in the case, the size of the case, and so the the range of calibers and the the availability of calibers is immense. Mm-hmm. Some of them switch between metric and standard. So you've got five point five six millimeter. But you also can have things in inches, so 0.357 inches. And so. So it's like wrenches. There's metric and then there's correct. Yes. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Just like my Glock, I can, you know, I have a 9 millimeter, but I've got a 40 caliber. Gotcha. Changes on me. (laughs) Fun. (laughs) Or the uh, 380, which I like. I like my little, little Ruger 380. Your tiny little gun? Yeah. Your small little hands? It's tiny. It's fun. Um, what I like, it, it's more impressive because then, like, you know, if you pull it out, someone will laugh and you shoot them, you know, with it, you know, it's, it's more fun, you know, and, and, and embarrassing because they think I'm going to pull out something big and I pull out a little 380 on them. You know? <laughs> Who, how often are you fire, pulling out your weapon on somebody? Oh, constantly. Have you seen the east side of Indianapolis? Okay. okay. All right. Well, I have point. to go get my Jordan's fish and chicken, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> Google that place right now. They're, they're going full Roslyn's rats in the bakery. Google. Jordan's fish and chicken, <laughs> Indianapolis, and and see what what Harry is eating. You enjoy rat tails and your chicken floor chicken is what you like. It really cracked yourself up there, didn't you? I know. Okay, so so basically, what you've got here is your typical like. What's the difference really, other than length, between like a Glock handgun and that gun? I mean, is it all just kind of the same thing? It's a thing that just shoots a bullet that, like, because, again, like, I'm looking at it, it doesn't look that much different than what I fired when we were Jason Doolittle. So when you've got, like, a Glock handgun, you know, that's, it's only got the the pistol grip plus a short barrel. It's going to carry fewer rounds. It's got, you know, you can't brace it against yourself. So there's there's quite a difference as far as firing a, a handgun versus a rifle. When it comes down to it, you squeeze a trigger and a bullet comes out. So I'm 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 thinking like deadliness, like what on a scale of deadliness, like that little gun you're firing and an AR-15, like because the way the news portrays it is your handgun is way less dangerous, still needs to be confiscated, but way less dangerous than an (laughs) AR-15. Caliber does play an impact on on deadliness. Obviously, a bigger bullet is going to do more damage, but the bigger thing is is accuracy. So. You get shot in the foot with an AR-15 versus in the heart with a 380. Mm-hmm. Okay, the 380 did more damage. Yeah. So shot placement and number of rounds on target when you're talking about a self-defense situation makes a way bigger difference than caliber. Okay. Yeah. Caliber is important, but not as important as accuracy and shot placement. Exactly. What, what makes the bullet go f- – or it f- follow up on that. I was going to say, like, yeah, it's always possible where you hit someone versus like the, the – because any hole into someone, depending on where it's at, is going to be deadly. You know, it's. Yeah, I think we also all learned like two weeks ago. If you get tackled in the in the chest and someone hits you at the right moment at the right, right. time, you know your heart can stop. You know, just a helmet. There's not a good knife attack. I mean, if yeah. you talk to police <laughs> officers, yeah. 
If you attack somebody with a knife, you are not coming out of that unscathed yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's like the, a lot of the, like the um, I've done like some of the, like the help with the, like the police martial arts training to treat train new cops to let them know how dangerous that ten feet gap is, yeah. and because uh, like they'll go through training like through the academy, blah 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 blah. But like you, they used to bring them into the MMA school. Like, okay, these guys have been just been fighting all day. This is what we do. Like, all right, show these new cops how dangerous ten feet is. Right. You know, when they're like, okay, like you can just you know, so. I can hit this cop. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And you just, you know, in that 10 feet, you instantly just turn on danger and like, right, you can't, they can't pull their gun, you know? Gotcha. So 10 feet, you know, the most deadliest thing is a knife or a fist, mm-hmm. you know, but outside of 10 feet, then your range weapon starts getting, uh, you know, becoming the deadly weapon. So what determines length? If I want to, if I want to hit something 500 feet away or 20 feet away, like, is it the, the length of the rifle? Is it the amount of explosiveness in the powder? What? How, how, it, yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so it's the length of the barrel, the the amount of powder, the size of the bullet. You know, a very very lightweight bullet just can't get enough energy energy to travel very far. Okay, and so all of those things, and there's a a whole immense science behind ballistics, and and you know people will do their own personal reloads if they're you know a, a high level shooter or wanting to to really narrow things in at, at longer ranges. They will load their own bullets as far as putting the powder in and use special powders. There's a whole science to it that's far beyond what I myself worry about or most shooters yeah. would consider. Yeah, and targeting because like uh, when you go into like especially long-distance shooting, you instantly find out the earth is not flat, okay? You have to understand that the you know, earth's got some curve and gravity to it. It's mm-hmm. really neat. Yeah. Um, okay, so – when you guys watch the news, knowing your hat from a hole on the ground, uh, I, I mean, what what do you think of the general conversation that you kind of see around AR-15s? Well, I know for some of the shootings, they don't even know exactly what they're describing as far as what the shooter used. Mm-hmm. So they'll misidentify the caliber. Mm-hmm. So a five five six is very comparable to a, a 0.223. There are some differences as far as the pressure they generate. And so that just because a weapon can take five, can take 223, it may not take 556. Five, but so I've seen before where they will just take the first two digits of that and they'll say, oh, they, it was a, a 22, a, a 22 caliber rifle. And so there's a big difference between a, a 22 caliber rifle and a 223 caliber rifle. Why? The amount of powder, the size of the bullet, there's it's a dramatic difference in, in far as capabilities concerned. Because being an avid TV watcher, um, Squish walked in yesterday and goes, Dad, are you watching Red Bloods again? It's just, I just watch Blue Bloods all the time. I've officially turned into a boomer. Yeah, we know. They have 9 millimeters and 22s, and that is what kills everybody is a nine millimeter or 22 in, uh, in those television shows. So like, I don't know. So th- when you're saying, when I see those in the new news or television, like that's kind of a misnomer. Yeah. And a nine millimeter is a good round. It's a common round. <laughs> There's been a lot of advancements as far as its lethality and its accuracy. The 22 kind of like what we were going back to earlier. You really got to hit somebody in the right spot to do the, any sort of damage that you want to with a, a twenty-two staple gun. If you use your twenty-two caliber handgun like a staple gun on someone, they're probably going to go down. Okay, but not. But but use it like a staple gun. Like it'd be like if I wanted to staple gun a uh, ribbon on his chest, it would take him down. 
But if I sat back and tried to do like this, you know, it's not going to do much. But you're saying if I were sitting here and shooting there, a 22 isn't going to hurt you? Yeah, it still will. Oh, that hurt. That hurt really bad. But it's not going to stop somebody who's... And most people like unless you like Nick uh organ to take an organ down, most most people die from gunshots from blood loss. Right. That's why like um like so if you're really concerned like uh, like at shooter stuff like that, the instead of carrying a, if you don't feel comfortable carrying a gun on you, the one of the best things to carry on you is just first aid kit. A mm-hmm. quick clot, you know, because most people die from uh, just bleeding out. So, like, the idea – so every time – like, I get upset when I watch those shootings with, like, how long it take police to put the put the shooter down and take over the scene. Yeah, so because- when somebody's out in Uvalde for four hours, he gets to just do – you would have had half the death toll. Correct, yeah, if someone was just got in and stopped the bleeding. Right. That's like when, like, um, the Greenwood Park wall, like, it went down so quickly and then, you know, as soon as cops got in, you can bring EMS in and start, like, uh, uh, triaging, like – bullet wounds right yeah, so that's why like um, um my kit in the car i've got quick clot in there mm. get shot put some quick clot on there you know helps stop the bleeding really gotcha. good stuff okay so tell us about what you've invented uh i'll put it up here on the full screen so people can kind of see it it looks like a can crusher in an ammo box yeah and that is where the idea came from okay so like i said <laughs> i had this box in my mind that had a crank on the side that was moving a plunger down and up the only thing that stayed was something holds the magazine and the plunger moves. All right, That's so the, the only thing the, from my original idea that stayed. The bullets go into the magazine, which is the scariest part on the on the gun. I, yes. I'm, I understand. <laughs> so that, you know, if you're only pulling the trigger and getting one bullet, why do you need so many bullets? Why can't we take this from what's the top end a, a magazine can hold? Uh, yes. A hundred is kind of the Okay, but biggest l- that I've seen. Well, well, you know, I think I've seen floated. Well, let's just limit this to seven or ten or whatever, right? Uh, why do you need a hundred bullets in a gun? I think it's more more of a want. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, but, or you also don't know how many attackers you yeah. have. So, let's say if you're a black person and a bunch of tiki people show up at your house, you know, like mm-hmm. if you only got seven rounds, like well, there's twenty tiki torches out in front right. of your house, you know. And a round is the amount of bullets in the gun. Yes. Okay. And thirty rounds is or available to the gun because yeah. as Correct. as I understand it, there there may not be a bullet in the chamber, but yeah. it could be kind of so. Explain that. Thirty part. rounds fits in this, and that's the standard magazine for an AR-15 or an M4 uh, or even an AK-47. Those are usually a 30-round magazine. 30 rounds is about the standard for uh, some sort of sporting rifle like this. Gotcha. But so our invention right now works with what's called stripper clip ammunition. So a stripper clip is just this thin little piece of metal that you can slide 10 rounds on. It looks uh, like, a sta- like a staple, row of staples you put in a staple. You can actually call that a clip spangle. That's yes, a clip. Okay. this is a clip. All right. I'm so explaining when, it to the listeners. When who people call this a video. clip, that's not a clip. That's a magazine. Okay. That's a clip. Gotcha. And so for the military, some government law enforcement agencies, the way they buy their ammunition is like this on stripper clips. Okay. It's easy to carry around in the field. It's easy to carry around general. You don't you don't have the the boxes, the plastic, all the the packaging that comes with you know, loose ammunition, they're all facing the same direction. So that's easier. That if I just had 10 loose ammo, 10 loose pieces of ammo on the table and picked them all up, well, that's not very useful compared to just grabbing this. Okay. So do you, did you put those in there? Or did you buy those like that? Both. You okay. can buy them that way or you can load them onto the clips that way. Because I know people save the brass, the brass piece, and what do they do with that? Reload it. 
Okay. Yeah, and then you can also you so can you reuse, buy the, you buy the bullets and the brass separate, and then you have to load your own ammunition. Some people you can buy. I mean, you can buy the bullets just like this, or okay. you can keep the brass and reload them yourself, or sell them to somebody else that does. And then the stripper clips are also reusable. Uh, they've got these little tabs on the end, but you can use them even once those fall off and use them as many times as you want. Okay. So then in the magazine, it's like a Pez dispenser that is pushing the next bullet up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So our invention. And so what you have to do is you have to, by hand, push that stripper clip into the magazine, which I imagine is kind of difficult. So the way the military most typically loads is they'll take this small spoon-type loader, Mm -hmm. slide it on the back, slide a stripper clip in, and then either press it down with their hand and fingers or put it on the edge of a table and jam it in. Okay. The thing is, these aren't very good. And so what often happens is you'll see soldiers take these off one by one and then load them in one by Mm. one. Or when I was doing a demonstration video, I didn't even end up using the video because it looked too much like a as seen on TV where someone, oh, I don't know how this works. But the first time I tried to take a video to compare a product, I put it on the edge of a table, jammed the rounds in Well, the stripper clip went through the spoon loader and halfway into the magazine, which happens a lot on the range when you use stripper clips and one of these style uh, spoon speed loaders. Mm. So I had to put it down and take it off and pull the stripper clip back out, and it was super frustrating. But probably something somebody who uses this stuff it happens all the time. Oh, all the time. Right. Yeah, and so what we did is we eliminated all that issue. Yeah. So we've got a holder for the stripper clipped am- ammunition. It slides in. We've got a magazine holder. It's designed off the lower receiver, the magazine well, of an AR-15. My brother just measured it out, 3D printed some parts. We got it to work and then eventually got them extruded and, and made off-site. All right, so you may move the, the, the weapon of war onto the floor. Uh, please be careful not to discharge it into uh, any children that might <laughs> be loaded. And then maybe tilt this towards the camera so people can kind of see how it works. Yeah, so like I said, you've got the holder for the stripper-clipped ammunition You've got the holder for the magazine. If I pull it up, you can see there's a magazine release right here, so I can pull the magazine back out, slide it back in. It snaps into place, so it's not going to go anywhere while you're loading. And then loading is just as simple as pulling the handle. And now you got all that in there. Yep. Yeah. You take the clip out, and it's got – here, I'll pull this out. This comes out. It's got a slot in here so that when you've got it in the can, you can just drop your stripper clip straight down in there. Mm. That way you don't have to worry about losing them, especially for the military. They have to be accountable to all of them. Really? It gets weighed at the end. Huh. Hey, you're you're short on some of your dunnage is what it's called. Yeah. And so that helps them make sure they're able to take it. And then you've got all your space underneath too. So I've got more mags in there. I've got stripper clips. I've got more ammo. You're able to store everything underneath. Oh. So Anita Farver in the comments said that is badass. So what's the name of the product and where can they get it? It's called the Mech Loader. It's our 5.56 variant. We've got more variants coming. We're just trying to get get the time and the resources to be able to build them out. Uh, you can find us at www.trigent.com. All right. And then we've got a Facebook page as well. So it's very helpful if people go like our page, share the product, 
sign up for our emails once they go to our webpage. It really helps us share it out to other people and really get to see what we've got. And it helps us because we're trying to convince you to do more advertising. So yes, and uh, I'd if, be happy to. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're listening, they need you to buy products so they can spend money with more advertising so they can sell more product. And so you're supporting us, you're supporting them. We'd really appreciate it if you'd go and uh, support Trigen. If this is your thing, obviously it's not for everybody. It's for, um, you know, police officers, pe- hobbyists. Uh, who Who is this product for? Yeah, so... The biggest person it's for, group that it's for, is the military. You know, they're the ones that buy the most ammunition and the most ammunition on stripper clips. But then even outside of that, you've got law enforcement as well, shooters. So for hobbyist shooters or someone new to shooting, this can be super helpful too because loading a magazine sucks. I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not fun. Oh, yeah. Um Especially if someone has any sort of physical deformity, maybe they've got like weakness or arthritis, you know, they're going to have a really hard time loading magazines here. Anybody can do it. And so this, even me. Yeah. And you can do it without getting tired too. So when you're shooting fatigue plays a factor in Mm -hmm. your, your accuracy, your enjoyment of it. And so with this, there's no, there's no hardly any physical energy that I had to exert to do that. Yeah. uh, When we took Spangle to the range, that's one thing I didn't make him do was load mags. Because they would, I, they would eat a brain stone. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. uh, it's a miracle it got my wife pregnant. I'm just saying. So, uh, all right, I know you've uh, you've got a newborn, and uh, your wife is very patient. Uh, you know, it took two hours for us to do this 30 minutes. Uh, you're an angel. I really appreciate it. Um, so, uh, you know. Th- team on here stripper clips aren't that popular outside of the military do you have an attachment a is that true and then b do you have an attachment for loose bullets yeah so they're not as common outside the military uh they're more a little bit more common in the the high volume shooters or the prepper community Mm -hmm. all right but then like i said you one of that actually ends up being a help if you can't find ammo a lot of times you can still find stripper clip ammo and it's the same price okay you can buy it for the the same amount um I've found it in several places, and that's how I started buying mine. Obviously, once I invented this, it's like, well, I got the great speed loader for it. I'll buy it on stripper clips. But then we've got prototyped an attachment that will accept loose ammunition. So we're we're trying to get that built. We, we're testing out some different materials before we're able to get that into production. But that's that's coming very soon. And then one of the things I didn't mention, too, is the base on it's magnetic. So if you don't want to buy the can, if you don't want to have to worry about taking that around the base on it's magnetic. So you can put it on the bed of your truck. Uh, if you've got some sort of, if you're in the military, you've got more of a vehicle, you can put it on the doors, you can put it on the hood, any sort of iron based metallic surface, it'll stick to, and then you can use it that way. So if you know anybody in the military, that's uh, your listener, this is not for you, but then if you know somebody like our friend, uh, who is in the military, we could buy one of these for him. Uh, and I'm sure that they would appreciate it because correct me if I'm wrong, like police officers, members of the military buy a lot of their own stuff too. Yeah. Especially if there's something that makes their job easier that the government's not going to buy for them. Right. They can do that. Now this is easy purchase for someone that is in the military. It's an easy purchase for them. Right. You know, we've got it priced a certain way that it doesn't require higher levels of approval, their unit card. They can just purchase it and be done. Yeah. Do you get the breakdown of like how many hours this thing saves for like a for a military branch? Yeah, so for like a regular company that's going to go through and do qualification on a weekend, mm-hmm. they would have six people 
show up early to start loading magazines, and then they would be on the duty all day long. And what tends to happen is they don't know how many they're going to need, and it takes so long to load them. They'll load too many and open up too much. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of unloading those and turning it back in, it'll just get shot and and wasted on the range. Yeah. And so what this does is you can have two people that can load on demand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was still in the guard. I was a company commander when we were developing it, and so I'd bring my prototypes in. And I had two people on ammo duty. They were being super casual. One was just kind of lazily handing magazines to the other one who was loading it up, loading them up. I had a two-person ammo detail for my whole company. Oh, wow. And so it's a huge change. And now instead of having six people pulled off training, they, now you've got to make sure they get fed. You've got to rotate them in. You've mm-hmm. got to figure out who's backfilling them. You've got two. It's much easier to, to handle, and you can take those other four people and focus mm-hmm. them on training and what they're supposed to be doing rather than loading magazines and wasting time. You ought to – I don't know if I would send him this episode, but – Jim Banks, the congressman, man, he's he's active duty in the guard. He might you should get a meeting with him because maybe you could get this sold to the to the U.S. government or the Indiana and a national guard if you become senator. All right, Harry, what question should I ask him that I'm too stupid to, to ask him that I because I'm I'm ignorant. <laughs> Is there anything or do we cover it all? Got everything. Okay. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, and for the person that said that Sherpa clips aren't that common. Still, go sign up. You know, like our Facebook page. Sign up for our email. So as the loose adapter comes out, mm-hmm. um, as we start to develop the AK-47 model, which will take the same base, there's only two parts that need to swap out for us to do a new caliber, a new weapons platform. So s- stay up to date on our prog- products because one may come out that that works for you and, and fits what weapons he has or, mm-hmm. or what kind of ammo he buys. Yeah, because yeah, cause as you go to different, especially with loose animals, you start with the AK-47 and everybody else starts getting their scar out. It's going to be great, especially that new pistol scar. Have you seen that one from FN? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the pistol grip thing. What's the what's the pistol grip and what happened? What, what did the ATF do to make everybody a criminal? <laughs> Explain this to me because I don't know. <sighs> All right, so the pistol grip, not pistol grip, it's a pistol brace. I don't have one of these. It, it looked it, like kind of, let me... Put the maybe hold the gun up and because it kind of looked like the back. It looked like an attachment you put on the back of your gun. The photos they show that like just that. stabilized it's, on your on your which shoulder, gonna be, which right? is going to be the worst because like the photos they use is like a basic everything with just a telescoping uh, uh, buttstock on it. Because like the way they they make sure it's a black photo, the 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 what, the angle that they took the photo, so everyone would think it's that. Even my wife was like, "Oh, do we have one of these?" It's like, no, 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 no. This thing is something different. This thing was designed for someone who, like you, have a like a weak risk or have an issue shooting or like as like a uh, and I, I I you know what f you because if you'll remember, sir, and I have the paper somewhere that I can prove this, my accuracy was amazing and I hit the bullseye most of the time. And for a first-time shooter, everybody, including you, is very impressed. Mm-hmm. I have very thick wrists, especially this one, okay? Well, and there are certain barrel lengths at, and sizes at which it becomes a pistol instead of a rifle. Mm-hmm. And so if it's the barrel is a certain length, you're not allowed to have because of – I don't know if it's ATF regulation or Congress who the bad guy is in this one. But you're not allowed to have a tel- telescoping stock or – a hard stock if the barrel's too short. That was Congress. So what, what what's the point of that? Cuz it sounds like the back end is the comfort. 
Oh man, we're going to be here for a while. So the national, when the was yeah, the National Firearms Act when that was really signed, it was supposed to stop like uh, these bad gangster people with their rifles and their short barrel rifles and cutting things off. So the evil people with their sawed off shotguns and yeah. making their their rifles really short. So this is actually like a severely old timey law that just kind of just brought up from now. Okay, yeah. And so anytime there's a regulation, people eventually find a way around it. So you had short barrel AR pistols. Mm-hmm. Well, they were. They're hard to stabilize. They're harder to shoot. And so they developed a brace that wasn't technically a stock. So it met the regulation. Mm-hmm. It met all the requirements. People were able to have the short-barreled pistol but stable, still able to shoot it supported and well, mm-hmm. accurately. And then they decided, no, we're not, we're not going to let that happen So is the, goal, this- is the goal basically to make the unwieldy pistol less used because it's less accurate? No, I, honestly, it feels like just just the, it's a much ado about nothing to seem like they're doing something, okay. you know, and just because out of all the things that ATF could be doing, like like trying to figure out where all the guns went from Fast and Furious, they're doing this instead. And so the brace would just go around like someone's arm. So it even worked great for so like so I said, if someone like if you had some uh, issues with your hand, so like it's like it helps make the gun almost ADA compliant, so anyone can actually use something like this. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's ADA compliant issue. I can't wait till the ATF gets sued on ADA compliancy. But the what did I want to say? Like, uh, and, and and the ATF on occasion, on several years, have been shown this attachment and ruled like, yes, if this thing is fine. We see no issue with this, and it was constantly kept going. Like, hey, are we fine with using this type of brace? And the ATF kept ruling, yes, you're fine. And there's millions of these out there now because they kept saying it's fine. And now that you've given someone like 120 days from last Friday to destroy remove this thing or destroy the gun or register and, and file for a tax stamp. So a def, so a tax it, what? Uh, a tax stamp on it. So, okay. So and then or you have to register and register with ATF. So de facto just trying to register everybody's AR-15. Mm. So even if it gets lodged into court, this thing gets ruled unconstitutional or they just remove the rule, they still have the registry. They still have the database. They still have everyone's paperwork that they turned in because most people don't want to leave these stinking pirates alone. So they're willing to just sit there and register it. Or just like re- remove it. So you don't have to when you, if you wanted to buy an AR15 you don't register it with anybody you no. just buy one. Yep. Okay. Yeah, a background check is run if you buy it from a federal fire, federally licensed dealer. Um, What's the difference between a background check and registering a gun with the government? The background check just makes sure that you are not a prohibited possessor, that you're allowed to have a weapon so you don't have a felony in your past, you're not um, – uh, or uh, like a psychological issues or going through different treatments like that. So then the, it's up to the local seller to decide whether to sell you that gun or can, are they prohibited based on state law or those federal are, regulations? Those are state laws people reporting to the list. Also, the seller of the weapon can also go like, hey, you know what? You may have passed this background check, but you look shady or you have bought like – 50 of these AR-15s in his last month. I'm not selling you. Tell me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be the solution here because the federal government can't get their database correct. Oh, no. And and the law enforcement keeps watching these guys and they still keep buying the guns. But why are these gun shops selling it to people who clearly are like 18 and look mentally disturbed? Is that the answer? Is it just a movement amongst gun store owners to like be more ethical and not be like Don's guns. I just they love to make are, money. A lot of them are ethical. A lot of them do refuse to sell people guns. Okay. They, yep. don't, they don't feel like they're on the up and up. And like the Sandy Hook shooting, the shooter murdered his mother and then stole the weapon that she had. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's another avenue as well for those, even if they can't go buy them legally, well, they can they can get them illegally through theft. And yeah. I wondered why the um, live stream, why are numbers tanked? And apparently the live stream on YouTube just got taken down. Because you, you had a weapon on it. Oh, yeah. 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 So let's see what strikes we got here. Yeah. Yeah. You just got us banned on YouTube. Great. Great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you mean to take the weapon <laughs> off the... <laughs> no, no, no. It's too late now. But the live stream is, is gone. But that would be act, active community guideline strike, too. So let me see if I can delete this real quick. No, it's not even there. It's totally gone. No, did you t- Chandler got tanked? Straight on life? Oh, I wonder if mine got tanked. Oh, did you stream yours? Yeah. <laughs> See, so and this is why we like- should have been streaming live to Rumble on Rumble software. Anyways. But there are tons of people with guns and gun videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you have to, like, a uh, uh, lot of them have to, uh, they actually have someone on YouTube that they talk to and it's used like, okay, so this is probably just an automated system. Like we noticed a gun on stream or someone, uh, okay. or some reported. So we're just making sure that somebody's not being dangerous. Correct. Yeah. So it's more of a, unless you have a history of doing it, um, uh, it's going to, we're just going to instant ban you first. It's to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> unless you have a history with it. Cause YouTube and Susan Wojcicki does what she, freaking wants with that platform it's a terrible platform and but it's where everybody's are it's where everybody's are no one will leave it just like facebook and twitter no so one, it yeah, isn't yeah. a strike yes there may be an issue with your content we found something that may violate guidelines mm-hmm. we'll ask you to take a look at the policy uh 3933 someone holding handling or transporting a firearm um and not on a range not a signal that is probably what it is because we're not on a yeah should i appeal or not appeal how how long is the ban for? We didn't get banned. It just took it down. Oh yeah, just don't do it. You just leave it alone. Right. Make like unless unless you want to do more guns, which go to the range stream. You know? uh, but we're not doing anything wrong. I've got it because we, I... we weren't having any kind of violent discussion in any way. We were so, explaining to people how this works. It's a called big tech, and most people who program these things for everything that everyone loves using is developed in an area that hates guns, and it's all sitting on the coastal city. So people use these things. There's a reason why people go on Rumble and other places like that because uh, of stuff like this. Because to someone in California, all guns are scary that no one right. should have them unless they're a police officer but we need to defund the police so that you know so they just yeah, insta ban i don't like it i don't like it get rid of that it, and then you're just yeah, in that queue the fact that you can't even have an educational discussion no is insane to me no and that's the that's, that's the reason why like discords about it when you're trying to talk to someone about guns the guns are scary or even having like an issue of just showing people how to get guns or make guns safe safe everybody is trying Every like like the pistol brace thing makes the gun safer, yet it, it is banned. There's a lot of things you can do onto guns to make things safer, but they have arbitrary rules to make them unsafe. So Tom says YouTube changed their rules so that now creators cannot show any type of modification to a firearm, which includes things like loading a magazine into a firearm, mounting an optic or light muzzle a muzzle device, a silencer, hand stop stocks. You can result in the loss of your YouTube account. Therefore, unedited videos with prohibited content like 60-round drum mags, modifications like loading guns will be posted to Twitter and Rumble, and that is from the Military Arms channel. Uh Yes, yeah, it's just crazy. All right. Yep. See. Well, let's let's wrap up with Jordan so he can go home and not get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> shameless self promotion time. Go ahead. Yeah. So you can find us facebook.com slash trigent. You can find us at trigent.com or. YouTube slash at Trigent. Um, we're on all three spaces. Again, sign up for our emails, like our page. Even if you don't buy, share it with other people who, mu- who might be interested in 
you know, maybe we'll have a future variant that, that speaks to you. All right. Thanks so much for uh, coming out, Jordan. We're going to take a quick break, say goodbye to him, and then we'll be right back after these words. All right. So annoyed about this YouTube stream. Um, you try to educate people, try to be responsible with your content, and you get three guidelines. You get banned for that. Mm-hmm. You're, you look so dark. It's not you. It's the camera. Yeah, it's the camera. Uh, the the auto white balance is on, too. It's just jacked, it jacked it up, and the autofocus is on. And My Mac camera looks way better. Uh, just saying. It's the truth. Wow. All right. So I have not followed it. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me about a couple people beefing behind the scenes. I won't say which figures, but the uh, the anti-vax crowd seems to be at, at each other's throats. Uh, and, and, you know, let me just start here. <laughs> Everybody you don't like isn't a grifter. Okay? Nick, Nick, Nick Fuentes is a grifter because yes. Nick Fuentes says yes. things that he doesn't actually believe. Mm-hmm. He just thinks he can make money by catering to a niche crowd of racists. Yes. All right. Uh, and I'm going to turn off his mic. But Thanks for just plugging things in and out. Like it's okay. I know. That's yeah, I'll, I'll edit that out of the audio. But uh, <clears throat> everybody you don't like isn't a grifter. Steven Crowder, Ben Shapiro, these people offer a product, and they offer content, and they put work and effort into their content, just like we do here. And even though I disagree with them on a lot of stuff, it doesn't make them a grifter. AOC is not a grifter. Uh, Rachel Maddow is not a grifter, right? Like, I, I, I guess anybody who tries to build Tim Pool is not a grifter. Uh, like, I think Naomi Wolf genuinely believes the nonsense that she says. Like, the like, <laughs> no Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, like, these people are not grifters just because they disagree with you. Yeah. What's your definition of a grifter when you're looking at independent media? Uh-oh. Grifter to me is someone who just changes their opinion on just the wind rolls. They have no hardcore principles. They, you know, they will just switch depending on like who's popular opinion and who's just blowing the most smoke up their skirt. Now, I do believe that some people can start off as grifters and then actually believe what they're saying because personally honest, I think, I thought Candace, I still think Candace Otis is a grifter that moved to the right, found very good, uh, got popular and loved it, and then her opinions have just changed over time. I, I put Dave Rubin in that category. I think Dave Rubin offers almost nothing of substance mm-hmm. himself. And then he has guests on who offer things of substance, mm-hmm. and he has on a certain position of people yeah. to make himself look a certain way. It's like mm-hmm. the famous um, Which? cartoon, the Freedom Tunes Every Dave Rubin interview ever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. yeah you, those yeah. of us in the intellectual dark web, mm-hmm. like, you're, dude, like, nobody put you in the dark web. You just had on the people in the intellectual dark web, yeah. like. But I don't know what that guy actually believes. No, I, I think like, uh, and that's the thing. I think Dave Rubin is just more of a like just a Democrat from the nineties. That's all he is now. He's just and he doesn't really just have a home, so he's just trying to find some place for himself now. Right. Um, and he. 
you know, and that's not just about his product. His product's really neat. Uh, that's why, like, uh, so Dave Rubin also had that, that like, I, I, everyone, like, I didn't like Candace Odin's for, like, because, like, from the old GG days, like, her coming out from, out of that. GG what? Game, Game of Gate. Game okay. of Gate, stuff like that, like that. And then, like, when Dave Rubin had Blair White and Candace Owens on, like, and I'm like, okay, I'm warming up to Candace, you know, but I still think she's grifting, but she's proceeded to take the first five minutes of this interview to, just for some reason thinking she's outing um, trans person Blair White. I was like, what? no one cares. Everyone, even Ben Shapiro uses she, her pronouns for Blair White. Just, and you sat here for five minutes trying to say, hey, you're a guy, you're a guy. I'm like, oh my God, stop that. People have, and I want to do an episode or, or a write about it or something, but the, um, what is the, the term that, that uh, I keep, I the um what goodness what was the, the term i can't think of it uh i don't, I don't something know. in the ballpark with it no hold on you you keep talking i'll find it because i have a note of of what i want to write yeah. about but yeah but it's grifters those people like you you've probably talked to these people now i'm not talking about like that casual like person that you try to transgressive which is left on the right where they have no principle it's like nailing jello to the wall most people are like oh this mostly leftist no there's a lot of rhinoids that have or they have no principles on their own they're just you know anti the thing that the other side is for you know, yeah. it's, you know, like they have no hardcore principles, like this whole gas stove thing. It's a lot of people's like, oh, come and take my gas stove. I'm like, do you really have a gas stove? Do you understand like why people want gas stoves? Do you understand why some of it's goofy? Transgressive art is the art that aims to outrage or violate basic morals and sensibilities. Hmm. And so what has developed on the right is the countercultural sense of going at the hegemonic lockstep like new york uh their version of the supreme court Mm -hmm. the head guy retired so they are so kathy hochul the governor is appointing a hispanic with a long track record of being a solid liberal Mm -hmm. um but it still has some remnants of being a classical liberal and the democrats in the uh, state house who are on the extremes are beside themselves over this person because he had a he had like three thousand cases or so. he has this long record, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not identitarian enough. He uh, made a ruling that even though his ruling was pro-choice, wasn't pro-choice enough. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's. I mean, I don't, I don't have to explain. Like the uh, hockey player, right? The hockey player who just who's Russian Orthodox, who is a Russian immigrant who plays hockey. And the team decided to have a pride night, and he refused to wear the pride jersey. Right. He said, it's against my beliefs. He didn't say anything offensive. He didn't say he wanted anybody hurt or killed. He didn't say anything other than, I don't morally agree. I would like to abstain with from this. Mm-hmm. And he's being crucified for abstaining, just not participating. And that's, that's the... Um, you know what I think a lot of people who take on the, the, the transgressive types mm-hmm. on the right want to fight against. You know, I think there's obviously bigotry wrapped up in in it, um, but they're just there's a nihilistic quality to both extremes and a lot of people online, where it's just sort of like I want to have a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Then there are the people who are like I legitimately hate the other side and I want to see them suffer. 
and then there's sort of the transgressive people who are kind of a blend of both. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm not making my point right, but because I haven't fleshed this out totally, but within right leaning media, it's more. And we've talked about this a million times. It's more uh, important to be like Candace Owens and be transgressive against the enemy that you have defined. Right. They're, these are their morals mm-hmm. that I'm declaring, and I'm against them, so I'm going to just do whatever it takes to troll them. And that plays better than, like, Ben Shapiro will be a little trolly, and mm-hmm. he's, a, he's not transgressive, though. Ben Shapiro is the type of person who has fleshed out his own personal beliefs, believes those things, mm-hmm. and then articulates his point of view. I don't always agree with it. Every time he says, you know, I'm a libertarian, but... And then says the most unlibertarian thing you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, like, I have respect for a person who isn't just trying to be transgressive. Yeah. Candace Owens, on the other hand, I don't know what she actually believes. She's just trying to get attention by being transgressive against what she perceives to be somebody else's morals and sentiments. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's like, to me, like, she's candy and. You know Ben Shapiro's fast food, right? At least there's some nutritional value uh, to to what he's saying. And Stephen Crowder mm-hmm. has kind of always seemed to me to be a little bit more on that transgressive side. And like it took a long time for people around me to kind of go like, just watch his stuff. There is some he does have some points. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't like that's not what I see because I don't consume his content regularly. He always just kind of seemed to be. I don't know if you watch him or you. I, yeah, I consume. Yeah, I consume Crowder's content. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What, what's he like? Tell me what I'm looking at here. Um, I, I I describe Crowder as more of a he. He runs more of a comedy show, and it brings and it's a sprinkle of the politics on the outside. A lot of it is like someone like uh, I want to say like righto read like like jokes all the time and they're just trying to a lot of them just having fun at the left's expense they do bring a lot of good receipts on different things when they are breaking down content I think they do a very good job of taking things that a lot of people from the left will use to just like I'm going to use this to dunk on the right real quick and they will take the time to actually no no actually this is wrong like the very famous meme everyone's like to change my mind thing that's a Steven Crowder product this change my mind segments are amazing just to show that some people just don't have an argument or if they have an argument with it it's we just agree to disagree and there's a few people that that are angry about something but can they have he, he they seems to be kind of the the first to popularize within new right media mm-hmm. the concept of just letting them talk correct let them yeah give them their right. own rope yeah right like that like libs of tiktok i mean she clearly has an ideological bent she's mm-hmm out and about now talking about what she believes a lot of it is actually very homophobic but Mm -hmm. like why it never made sense that she got banned was that she was just posting their words correct of the people that she disagreed with yeah yeah yeah. some of the stuff can be like homophobic but she she never there wasn't a post because yeah it was just like i take this i post i take and i post now does she like choose what she posts heck yeah but everybody does and then if dennis were here or reinhold he would say but look at the comments you're feeding and you're inciting people to be transphobic. And so uh, just to give the other argument, 
against somebody like that. But he seemed to be kind of the progenitor of that. Let them talk. Yeah, yeah. Just let them talk. But you can't control your comment section. You can try to police it the best you can. But you know, I think the which a lot of people have escaped for some reason. Look, it seems like a lot of you people on the internet have forgotten this one simple rule when it comes to trolls. Don't feed the trolls. Jumping in your comment section and giving the troll attention, just going to like, oh, cool, I'm emboldened. You read my comment. Here's another one. Here's this one's even more inflammatory. It's exactly right. Like, if you hate Donald Trump Jr., Mm -hmm. this is a big thing I see on Twitter amongst journalists now. Don't repost him because you're going to do what you did with Trump. Mm Mm-hmm where you're going to feed it. And that's always my argument. It's like the old FCC days of when I got in trouble for saying a douchebag, or no, a scumbag on the air. And the station manager came in and said, you can't say that. And I said, why not? And he said, you just can't say that because it's a condom. And I went, I didn't know that. And I said, so what are the rules? What can you say? And I don't know because anybody can just be banned at any time for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's... Uh, uh, I forget my, what my point was. Where was I? What were we talking about? <laughs> I got lost in my own. All right, uh, yeah, going back to but like so, Crowder does this new right stuff, right? So he, right. Um, but he does what I go So like with it, the the twenty sixteen election, which is oh, sorry, the twenty twenty election, which is the safe, most safest secure election of all time. Um, it was an amazing, oh. amazing secure election. Now it was just so happens that he went through some of the voting records and and uh, in Las Vegas and went to the places and discovered that some of these people were voting from the middle of the road. Some of these addresses are wrong, right? right. So like, oh, he's going to like no, he's just showing that people have filled out the wrong address on a form. He just showed the data. That's it. There's something fishy going on. But it goes to the main reason why, like, they need to, you know, like, it should be better policing on that. Heck yeah. 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 We shouldn't have people putting down wrong addresses and allowing them to vote, you know, because they can get their address right. What else do they do not get right? So. so back back to my point that I remembered. If you don't like it, so the community standards was the big thing back yeah, then, right? Yeah, right? Just don't listen to Bob and Tom if you don't want to deal with it. Don't listen right. to Howard Stern. That's my community. I want to engage mm-hmm. in those content. If you don't like it, just... Turn the channel. Stop listening. Correct. But so many. And if you don't like Don Jr., if you don't like AOC, if you don't like these things, by amplifying them mm-hmm. with your hate and outrage, you're only making all of this stronger to the mm-hmm. point that Alex Jones now can is the spiritual center of the Republican Party. Yeah. So like Loki Wall, like I f- refuse to hate watch shows. We're not hate watching shows. I'm not hate giving any more reviews. I've checked out a, a whole universes, whole shows because it's like, you know what? They they see us talking about it and watching it and they're like, "Oh, this is what people really want." Like, "No, I'm done. I'm done. I completely checked out. I do not care. I'll come in and watch what I want and I'll leave. I'm fine with that." But right. a lot of people hate watch Crowder. And they try to take things out of context. So, like the, the media matters. Yeah, yeah, model, the yeah, media matters. The or the ad apocalypse. So, like uh, that's what's Crowder and the Crowder rule got created. The unofficial Crowder rules in YouTube, where they can just kind of like have those vague community guidelines, sorry, and just take your YouTube channel. That's because they kind of find a way to take Stephen Crowder down and not you know, get on the eye of because he had a lawyer on retainer. Mm. You know, one of the few people of like uh, YouTubers who are big enough to can afford to have just a lawyer to go like, cool, nice, you gave me that community guys. Strike, I took me off the air. That's technically a contract violation. Go talk to my lawyer. Mm. <laughs> okay, so what is going on between him and uh, yeah, Daily, Daily Wire. Wire? So he he does he did his show at the Blaze, Correct. which is 
owned by Glenn Beck mm-hmm. and I think Mark Levin and some others after mm-hmm. they merged. He's been there forever, Correct. and then he decided to leave. Was that because he wanted to do what? I don't know. They, uh, uh, they, I haven't found any information that out publicly on why he decided or what's going on with the Blaze. I don't know if it some, sounds like it was probably money based on the new information. But yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't see anything could be, either. Yeah. Uh, could be like something like the Blaze wanted him to do something else or or something. But something happened there. Um, Let's see. The so he went to like so he started shopping, or he just wanted to shop around and see what else he's getting at the end of his contract to place. I don't know. I'm not Steven Crowder on anyone on the show. But where can he go? Exactly. Other than the Daily Wire and the Blaze, who have the resources to support him, where and starting his own thing like Tim Pool. Yeah, he's not going on. Probably not on Fox. Did you did you send him a cut? Did he fish for you? Did I just wanted to do uh, Wall Network? Yeah, to get, you're, yeah. You're, when you have no one else to turn to, fifty dollars over four years. So, um, <laughs> is that is that not is that Ryan Hull's contract? Fifty dollars over four years? Oh no, that's I'm giving Crowder the the lucrative contract. Um, yeah, hear that Crowder? You come on this network? <laughs> no. Um, I, I I I guess like where would you go? Like it's sort of like with your. So Tim Pool was talking about where do you go to? You're someone that big that can pull on that because anywhere Crowder goes, he's got the Mug Club, the Mug Club, the Clubbers. Okay, all right. I'm Which on the like what, his Patreon. Yeah, it's basically his own personal Patreon. He went in and did it himself, and then they called the Mug Club because he was in the beginning of the demonetization, shadow banning, and needed stuff for right. the paywall stuff. It's just that's why I always kept warning, ringing the bell for you because he was a canary in the coal mine. I right. saw them going after him, so that's why I was always going to you, like, hey, make sure you got your email list locked down. Mm-hmm. So you watch Crowder did the exact same thing, trying to get the email list together. That's why Spangle always tried to get you like put the email. Get you to put it on the email list because if anything happens or move somewhere, go to chrisspangle.com, sign up for the email. Yeah, yeah. And Spangle has been articulating this for a long time. And, and, and same thing with like the Mug Club. He uses that email list to try to communicate to the clubbers. But everywhere he goes, he got these people. They're, they're coming with him they're, because there's a difference between a Mug Club member and people who just sign up for the Blaze. Now, you get access to the Blaze if you sign up for the Mug Club, but you're completely different. Right. And so he's coming with a based-in base. And you're talking about someone who got, like, servers crashed on the back end on election night because he had, what was it, like 300,000 people on Rumble watching a live stream on Rumble. Not YouTube, not Twitch. That's these two massive platforms. We're talking Rumble. Someone decided to type in and go, I want to go to Rumble and watch Steven Crowder. And, you know, started crashing servers, you know, like on mm. the back end, you know, so like this is no like tiny little person in a, uh, in a room. Granted, and it's a business. He employs, I think it's like 15, wow. 15 people on his staff, you know, full time doing this work. They do a lot of work. They do like basically like, what is it? Four, like 12 to 14 hour days. They're constantly working. You can watch them like talk about like health issues because they're working so much on this. They are, they put the work in. Um, I'm just yeah. trying to give everyone to give credit. Like, if you hear me any crap on crowd, it's like, no full work. I respect this product. Um, do I disagree with him? Heck yeah. But he would disagree with me too. You know, if we sat around, but there's a lot more you probably agree on too. Yeah. You know, because like, yeah, he's he's he grew up in Canada, but he's like more Midwest than anything else. He's a pretty neat guy, nice mm-hmm. guy. Um, uh, let's see. He's a hateful bigot, Harry. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, he did have a hateful bigot on the show that he had to kick off. But who was uh, that? Owen Benjamin. Dude, okay, I know. I knew Owen Benjamin because of where I work. He would come in and do the radio show. Uh, he was like a super nice guy. He was. Like kind of genial mm-hmm. and polite, very polite, and 
Now, I just saw a clip of him the other day that was like David Duke would blush. I was like, what? He was saying, I think he said the N word. It's like it's, he went way. He took the mask way off or he just has decided like, I think there's something that happens with a lot of these folks where it's like when you have decided to no longer be a part of respect. Like I have a, a podcast consulting business. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it is how my wife can be a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. I have a day job at a respectable place. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, there's just, there's never anything that I say here that like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a radical type person. Right. Well, you are kind of radical, especially your counterculture. The the idea that you go to church on Sunday <laughs> right. and you have a and you got a wife We're have and you seven play kids. kids. Yeah. yeah, that's that's counterculture radical. I am if like the trad dad memes. My life, Dakota said that one day. He goes, "If people knew what your wife looked like, how she dressed, what you guys do, and how you structure your life, people would be surprised at how traditional you are." I'm surprised at how <laughs> I'm an egalitarian that ended up in a complementarian marriage. I don't understand how, but. Here we are. Um, And we're fortunate enough, but but like I don't have beliefs that would get me like, like I just don't like the Daily Wire because they seem to have one single issue that I see and it's Mm -hmm. being mean to trans people for content. Correct. Yes. And and maybe I I just don't consume it. But what I see of their stuff, because I follow them on Instagram, is trans stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't see any trans content on my feed except for the Daily Wire, yeah. which makes me wonder, like, what does the private browser of Matt Walsh really look like? Yeah, exactly. Right? So, <laughs> I, so I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Like, I'm in the history of trans podcasting, I'm mm. number three in terms of a person that post, hosted a trans podcast with uh, Maya, which you can go back and listen to. I mean, I, I wouldn't do that now. But at the time, I was like, 10 years ago, I was like, I don't understand this. I want to understand it. Mm-hmm. And I believe in like open dialogue and answered a lot of questions for people. And I have mixed feelings on it now, and so does Maya. Um, but I, 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 I always say to people, I'm like, if you're going to get into doing what I do, you have to think about like your marketability as – uh, like if you're going to do the documentary about vaccines, mm-hmm. it's just go. You're just you, and you really feel you need to do it. Then you need to do it, but you need to accept the consequences of like you're not going to go get a job at probably Fox Fifty Nine, yeah. right? You know, and yeah. and there's a lot of people who who have identified like, but you don't need that. You don't need the media you don't need to be part of the establishment because you can make so much money appealing to the transgressive right Mm -hmm. the new right that's the entire mises the whole point of the mises caucus is to try and make that the political arm of this very online right-leaning culture Mm -hmm. let's go after the people that listen to joe rogan and stephen crowder and be their political home Mm -hmm. but what they never have but they can't understand is how alienating that is to everybody that isn't very online. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's like a, a 
like when I was talking to Ryan Hole with like because I got f- longer than that Reese uh, that reason interview with Heiss like long longer than uh, Ryan Hole went I got 45 minutes in yeah and I was just screaming at it because like they have no idea it feels like they've never been to a small town and try to do anything with a town council before right to me it just seems like you have no idea you've you have stayed online for so long you know how hard it is how hard they've made it to be in a small town and say hey I'm libertarian they just look at you like oh you want to vote Right. You know, and they they don't point to people like Boss Hogg. No, people who know Boss Hogg love libertarians, but they'll point to the Mises Caucus <laughs> every time. Yeah. And so I just think it's like as a broadcaster, it's a slippery slope because once you, you know, Owen Benjamin just decided I'm going to cater to this new group mm-hmm. of people. Yep. But the problem is when you are trying to appeal to one, like what what I want to do as a broadcaster mm-hmm and a political commentator is to appeal to as many people as possible to think about libertarian ideas. But when you decide I'm going to become a broadcaster for this specific ideology, Mm -hmm. you then, your incentive is to no longer try to take the Dobbs decision and my very pro-life beliefs and try to come to some agreement with Kat and Sarah on that episode about like mm-hmm. their very pro-choice beliefs. Mm-hmm. Your incentive is now to call everyone a baby killer, and it, and it, and when you get into those viral loops, you end up like Owen Benjamin, where your your income because you you're, you're ever trying to spiral down to increase to because mm-hmm. the money dries up. Correct. Because the further you go to an extreme, the more people kind of go. All right, I rode the bus this long, but I got to get off here. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, your incentive is to just cater to the ten people that are still your patrons because yeah. everybody hopped off, right? Yeah. And he it's, may believe all this stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he's just a callous grifter, right? But the danger of kind of, and that's why over the last three years, I really said, you know what, we are libertarians, and me personally, like Brian Nichols has very Tim Pool new right beliefs. Mm-hmm. He's he's on the network, right? Yeah. Reinhold has very. I mean, I think he has a Fauci button next to his um, his Ruth Gator Bader Ginsburg button. Probably. Um, probably. What what I, what I didn't want us to do was to. I just wanted to get through. Yeah. <laughs> like and not and because on the other side of this is is people are going to have to be able to have a conversation without. I, I just never wanted us to pick a crowd and cater to just that crowd, and I, I don't know that that has been the right strategy. Um, but here we are. That's why I was talking to people like last night on on, on low key is like uh, th- when we talk about contracts and stuff like that is like Crowder. Crowder has I feel Crowder has, also has a very ideological view how he wants to run his company, and I think you do too. You have a very ideological way you structure the um, the wheel of network. You can see it on our contracts when we sign up with you when we get everything else done, um, and it's not really to make money. And I think when he when you butt up against a Daily Wire, who's there. They, I don't think they have an ideological idea other than they know this makes money. This prints money. Counterculture prints money. The culture went this way. We're going this way. To Daily Wire, they're go, they're there to print money. I just look at it as a Christian and go, I can't make my content picking on other people. I can't. I can't do that. And and I can't. 
I, I would love to do some of the content we did in 2016, 17, because it was more popular. Yeah. But morally, it wasn't healthy for any of us. Sure. Like, I don't know. I just, I look at it and I go, at the end of the day, like, uh, I haven't had time the last two years to execute all this stuff the way that I wanted to. So, but I just look at the choices that a lot of people make and I go, I just have to see Jesus in the next life. And I don't want to have to answer for that because I needed 10 more Patreon subscriptions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I pick people on this network who are not going to pick on each other. Mm -hmm. Believe me, there's a lot of tension behind the scenes always between all of these personalities (laughs) that you hear on this show uh, and between the different hosts, Mm -hmm. but it's not on air. It's private and Mm -hmm. it's committed to being nice to each other and respectful of other people's differing opinions so that comes out on the air like that's a that's my ideological method of doing this is just trying to to to, like mutual respect so i don't know um but yeah so crowder um and i don't even but i feel like he was a horrifying jerk five years ago but now he's like a moderate all right uh, <laughs> am i am i wrong about still, that like, well the thing is like i don't even think he was just a jerk i think he was just a guy with a stick poking things out trying to figure yeah. out his thing what is going on and also realizing like the raw deal that everyone was giving and then people were saying like hey we may be hitting you with the stick, but you can't complain about it. And if you've been online in these in YouTube and Twitch spaces, that's kind of how it was. If you had a right leaning bent or wasn't far radical mm-hmm. left, it was. Anytime you opened your mouth, it's like you got hit with a stick. And anytime you complained about it, like we're not hitting you with the stick, I don't know what you're talking about. So is it? I, I would argue that this is true. Like it is necessary for a Crowder. It is necessary mm-hmm. for um, a, a Rogan or some of these people to just sort of build an, a co. Uh, uh t- t- like the the uh, Ru- the Russian hockey player. Yeah. I don't agree. I'm. I promise to stay neutral, mm-hmm. but allow me to exist in this space and do my job without making me do something political. Because I don't agree with your agenda, the the ability to be neutral has gone away. Correct. And you have to have people who are willing to put their careers on their line, like this hockey player, to go. Mm-hmm. I have different values. I'm going to abstain yeah and i'm not going to be hateful about it mm-hmm. it's but you have to carve out that space it's close to the level of muhammad ali not signing up for the draft refusing yeah. i'm not doing the draft not not as close that that was you're risking jail time but the idea of just something like that because the same thing like the 90s is like all right it's christmas everyone's got to put these crosses on and here we go we're gonna put some, you know right. you know like we're gonna celebrate the 12 days of christmas okay all right heathens okay you know it's epiphany now so no work today we don't do that you know so allowing someone like you know what i don't really believe in, you know i have different beliefs for that i have to go to church like hey i'm living let live but i don't want to wear that i can't wear that i don't want to wear that you know yeah. like so and in these online spaces if you don't agree with more of the left culture yeah you weren't allowed to exist but you're saying the crowder types have kind of what that was that what gamergate was about or okay like, so like there's carve, a lot of, okay, carving so, out in online spaces like the ability no, to, to be yourself gamergate oh, which laid the groundwork to like like is the ground to like fake news gamergate is basically it's a the the gaming um the gamers like gamers fight against the gaming journalists the gaming journalist was fighting uh was bad mouthing and putting bad, fake news against the um the gamers in the space so they'll try to so there'll be right. some well, pe- let's let's let me ask you a different question about crowder then where's the line between 
like that transgressive counterculturalism and trafficking and being bigoted. All right. So and how, how do you draw that line as a media consumer? Do, does he get and some ideas like have probably have cost a line and got bigoted? Heck yeah. But he was just trying to find out where the rules are, stuff like that. So like some like the, the, uh, like the playing fitness trans bathroom thing. Like, a, all right. Yeah. Yeah. He pushed the rules. It's kind of a little bit. Give like a that. little background. All right. So back in, was it 2017? I'm going to say like planet fitness, uh, gotten in a dust up of, uh, because they're just doing what they should have did, which perfectly fairly allowed the trans woman to use a women's, the women's locker room. Perfect. I'm perfectly fine with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, and some people had an issue with it. People like Crowder had also had an issue with it. So he basically dressed up as a woman and try, you know, went to Planet Fitness to work out, set off lunk alarms, make a huge stink about it, and, you know, and allegedly attempted to use the women's locker room. There's like a cut. He says, we don't know. And, the, but he did get kicked out of, uh, and banned from Planet Fitness from doing that, mm. you know, just to dust up from it, you know, and got some backlash from it, you know, but Blair White still went on, um, went on, uh, Crowder's channel and did an interview about different stuff like that so i also tell people if you do have like you you like i did to trish like if you're having an issue with some of the trans stuff in the new space i recommend listening to blair white's podcast when she did a episode with buck angel uh, transpa great episode about like transpa yes yeah, transpa. classic howard stern character rode the sibian yeah yeah uh, buck angel amazing video they like, talk about what the heck is going on like in, in like a um in the transfers was because like they have the there's a lot of uh, safekeeping that was there that was put in place long ago that has all been stripped away and they go into it for about an hour it's an amazing stuff like amazing uh listen what is safekeeping uh safekeeping all right so <laughs> some people call it gatekeeping this was safekeeping so it was back in the day like 10 years ago, like a trans space to get on HRT, you had to go through several different which are steps or someone called hoops or barriers or entry to get HRT. Um, so you had to go through therapy, present full time as a woman before they ever let you start taking it medically. So a lot of things you can do, you can easily back out of this, um, uh, this type of therapy. Mm-hmm. And you also have to continue on therapy because once everything starts happening, you, you know, like it's, it's kind of hard to turn back around. A lot of this, a lot of stuff thing HRT is permanent. So, and the idea of even putting kids on it was even seen as, was radical then it's and it's still radical still and radical now. Yeah. It is, it, to me, it's egregious the idea, uh, me personally, is that people are allowing puberty blockers out there. Also, the lie that it is reversible. It is not reversible. Puberty blockers are not reversible. Yeah. These are dangerous. Uh, drugs that you're giving to prepubescent kids. I think, and you had a, a, another friend, a close person mm-hmm. transition, and we had Maya here on the network. Mm-hmm. Like, we learned a lot about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think people who just kind of go, yeah, if they're eight and they feel this certain way, they should be allowed to do what they want. And I don't think that's true at all. Yeah. Like, they, these are permanent decisions. Correct. And some of those people that we knew 10 years ago, Regret a lot of the permanent decisions that they made. A lot of permanent decisions that they've made. And also, if there's a big difference, there's allowing a kid to put on a dress or put on, like, what wears, like, clothes, clothes, stereotypical boys' clothes and just allowing them to just dress. You, you know, you know, estrogen, stuff like that does not make a, a testosterone does not make a men. It's a lot of things that we do performatively and being socially acceptable like that way. So I think there's a lot of things that could happen before you take the final step of actually getting something addicted to the medical ph- big pharma yeah you know and i, I, I mean i'm not change. passing laws but i i just yeah it's unconscionable to me that oh, you yeah. do anything bef- 
before the uh, before eighteen. Correct. All right. So back to the All right. <laughs> back yeah. to Crowder. Um, so Crowder's shopping around his contract to find out where he can go. Which me, just like Tim Pool and you too. Like if I had like a the idea of like why would I shop around and just create my own network empire? Uh, but Crowder went to go shop around because he, he's not used to that. He's always been like guarded from like going from Fox and then going to the Blaze. You know, he's always had someone else do his broadcasting. Mm-hmm. It's just like a lot of the shows on the network. A lot of them have when they have done their podcast they've never had to go and sign up for the uh the apple podcast SS, uh, the uh, rss yeah, if you come to the we are libertarians podcast network mm-hmm. like if you're harry with loki wall or mm-hmm. you're brian with the brian nichols show yeah all you all you do is upload i even upload harry's show but like brian edits his show and uploads his show but he doesn't have to apply it to apple he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do all that I'm the one that is managing ad sales. I'm the one that is, you know, when our sponsor was here today, I'm the one take, I'm doing the sale, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're working for like a Daily Wire, which full disclosure works with the same company that my day job works with, which is Westwood One, Westwood One is, uh, I believe they're still at Westwood One, but they, they, um, or Cumulus Podcast Network is what it's called now. Um, and Westwood's the radio side, but the Cumulus Podcast Network sells the ads for Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro. They don't have their own sales team. Right. They're the ones that are – they hire professional salespeople to, to, to package that in. Same with the Blaze. The Blaze has a sales team, and so Crowder doesn't have to worry about selling advertising right. on his show. They've got people that are going out, and you know it used to be – I'm not going to say it used to be impossible for uh, right-leaning podcasts to get ads because Ben Shapiro basically built – podcast advertising mm-hmm. uh and yes. built the market as yes. and through not just at yeah. cumulus but in general which is why it was so outrageous that he got banned from the floor of podcast movement and they apologized for it last year <laughs> because he is literally the reason that big brands started to look at podcasts and go oh there's an audience in the talk radio right but for the next generation yeah. for people our age who don't listen to talk radio mm-hmm. and rush limbaugh anymore but still consume that content. And so Crowder is shopping networks for people to sell. You know, what his job is, he brings the crowd. Mm -hmm. What we do is bring the crowd, Mm -hmm. and then somebody like Jordan, who can't get advertisements on any platform, Mm -hmm. says, I need a crowd. I got a product, Mm -hmm. right? And I say, okay, well, airtime's this much, and you... And I'll throw in an appearance on the show, yeah. And uh, then, then that that's how it works, basically. So, and, yeah, because like a lot, like, like a lot of people was uh, like, so Tim Pool was talking about numbers and like that, how much like they made through podcasting, podcasting ad ad revenue, so much better than YouTube and anywhere else. And yeah. a lot of people were like, wow, you know, like, you guys must be because like, well, well, it wasn't always this way. That no, was it built. started the last two years. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't like that. Yeah, YouTube was gold for like that. Then the adpocalypse happened, but it was still you got more better ads going. Google AdSense, anything else? You know, yeah, yeah. It's very recent. Those ads that play at the beginning of every one of our shows, the pre-roll ads, pay for the hosting mm-hmm. and can add a little bit more. But even a small network like ours, we're on the Spotify ad network, mm-hmm. and those ads that you hear, I have no control over them. It's just somebody places it like a like a Google, like a YouTube ad. Yeah, um, that has. I mean, it's not significantly increased for us, but it has. Gone for like people would say, "Well, sell ads." Mm-hmm. Well, where where am I going to sell ads at? 
for a libertarian podcast network, except right. for the occasional random person who wants to talk to libertarians yeah. reaching out. Well, now we have a whole new income stream mm-hmm. that has opened up because these brands don't care. Uh, an impression's an impression. Yeah. And so if you have an audience like Crowder, mm-hmm. you can make tens of millions of dollars just on transactional ads for a company mm-hmm. like the Daily Wire. So it's not like, so he basically was negotiating with the Daily Wire. And one of what, like fifty million dollars over four years four or years. something, mm-hmm. and and people are like, oh, that's a crazy amount of money. But if you knew, like I know, the amount of money that can flow through a company like the Daily Wire because of the size of somebody's audience, like Crowder, mm-hmm. it's not really a crazy amount of money. It's mm-hmm. just a brand new amount of money in a brand new space. But like, if you're a radio talk show host. That's not a crazy amount of money at all. Rush Limbaugh yeah. was bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. per contract. Now, that's not saying the Daily Well contract was good. Like, I'm saying, like, if Spank, even if Spank was offered that $50 million contract, I don't think you would take it either. Why? The, oh, the idea that, like, everything, you would have to, uh, do, what, what was it about that contract that he found objectionable? All right. So one thing that he did find objectionable to, which some people say like that's fair, but it not, is that if the Daily Wire pay, they own what you've made in perpetuity. Oh yeah. If they no. paid for that, but because they're like, well, we paid for you to set this thing up. We paid for all this. It's like, yeah, but no. If I leave here, I'm leaving with. Okay. So there's there's different ways to do this, right? So if you pay the production costs, you own the content. Yeah. If I pay the production costs, I own the content. Mm-hmm. But the amount of responsibility that you have if you are not, like i've i'm the one that has to buy all the crap in this room i'm the one that has to maintain it and mm-hmm. then when it breaks i mean i have a budget of a few thousand dollars a year for different services online mm-hmm. and equipment and it'd be great if somebody could just say here's a check to run all that and we'll hire a graphic designer mm-hmm. to come in and do your logos and we'll have this person that person so you know but you don't own your content, and so when you leave, mm-hmm. you don't get to take those shows with you. And let me tell you, the the back catalog of this podcast, mm-hmm. the 700 podcasts that are out there, mm-hmm. that's a significant amount of ad revenue that gets driven because of those old pre-rows, yep. because people do go back and listen to our old mm-hmm. catalog. So. You know, it's, it's a it's a huge asset that you'd be giving up if just for the momentary yeah. trade off of money. Yeah, Ma- and it's massive. It's like, but they paid for the content. Yeah, the, I think the more of the issue is perpetuity. I can see ten, yeah. ten like if they, it has to have a limit. They're like, well, ten years after I leave the network, you can have it. You know, or five years. Right. You know, the fir- the five years after leaving the network, you own my back catalog. But after those five years, the back catalog becomes mine again. It's the same way if um, like Taylor Swift or any artist, music artist, is like, all right, yeah, you were at our record label and you use all this but you don't own your she songs. left the record label and wasn't it she lost access yeah. to her mm-hmm. to her back catalog had to re re yeah remaster remaster redo, redo everything, everything. Re, yeah. re-record it so she could then use those records Correct. because she lost permission yeah so and it was like that's purpose is like no no no. if you put it in music terms it makes more sense than like no i refuse to sign that crap yeah um it that's the no, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Reinhold just mentioned in the chat room. Yeah, Neil Young. Yes, Neil Young. Yeah, not owning the crap like you have done in the place. So, like, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, you wouldn't have signed that. You know, you would have been like, oh my God, look at all this money. But, like, wait a minute. You own my back catalog? No. The idea, I think, and the other idea of, and also the docking of the fees. Like, so, like, every time, like, okay, you get demonetized from YouTube, so like that, you came to the ad reads, right? You know, they docked about 25%, you know, if they can't replace it in 90 days. But, but Carter's constantly getting banned. 
Yeah. You know? It's the same way, like if, you know, like, um, like right now, like you, you would have just got dinged 25% of the income that you would have made from the, the uh, uh, from no, the from, so, so part of the contract, right, was that if he got banned or demonetized from these services, mm-hmm. then they'd take a, a rep, but that is perfectly reasonable. Like, we're, we don't make any money. We make 11 cents a, a month on YouTube revenue. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, literally. So it's no revenue generator, but at the day job, we make a good amount of revenue from YouTube. I took the uh, Twitch money um, last year and I bought us a mini fridge. Nice. Yeah. How much was it? It was 50 bucks. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> but if there's, yeah, no, no, no. but if there's, uh, you know, like if we lost monetization on the work account, that'd be a significant hit to mm-hmm. our revenue. Yeah. And then, if you're if you're Crowder and you're bringing in let's say twenty million dollars a month on ad revenue, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, all right, let's say let's say probably a more realistic figure, um, five hundred thousand to a million dollars in ad revenue, which is probably what Crowder probably just for YouTube, mm-hmm. and it may be a lot more. Yeah. Um, if I'm paying you because I'm taking in that money. Mm-hmm. I can't guarantee you more money because where am I going to take the money from, right? Yeah. Like I've already signed contracts with all these other hosts mm-hmm. and I've got employees that have essential functions. Like mm-hmm. if you you if you say something and lose a revenue stream, that's on you, bro. Yeah. And the well because of the that loss of revenue, so like that. I yeah, think where the are other, they, what, it's like, and well, that's why he started the mug club, the mug clubbers, right? So he's doing all that money throwing that member rate like that. And I think the idea that like will the mug clubber get access to the daily all by content, and then since he's, it's also like it, it'd be the same thing if I was trying to go to low key, uh, low key, and come to the uh, to the wheelchairs network with low key, and I've got key members, right? I've got key members mm-hmm. who pay me five dollars a month. They're like, well, we'll just wrap it into the big like um you know the wall patreon it's just like okay but the key members are my members right do i share that five dollars with brian you know nichols and the nickelback bunch yeah. i don't know if nick brian nichols calls his friends no, nickelback the, the deal should. here the way that we structured is i keep the patreon money i pay all the bills and then whatever's left i get to keep because i put the most time into this and then if you start a podcast, you start a Patreon, you keep all that money. See how he, see how he tra- treats us, makes us keep our money from our Patreon? I don't, I don't charge Harry to be on the network. Uh, there is a certain amount of money that it costs me to have a show on the network. Mm-hmm. Um, other networks charge, though. They say, listen, you, your show costs me, which is about what it costs me, is somewhere between $50 and $100 a month to have your show on the network. Yeah. And every show I add adds money. So that's so. We say because you hate the four-hour shifts. <laughs> you're fucking killing me on the bandwidth bill, but it's okay. Uh, we're we're doing okay. But you, um, your our deal is like I'm not going to mix money with friends. I get to keep this. I get to make a little bit of money yeah. off of the asset that I've built. But I want you to be incentivized to make money too. So like when Brian sells an ad or has a code for thrive market mm-hmm. or has a patreon mm-hmm. like that's all his he's 
Yeah. He's built the crowd. He should keep the money that comes with it. Right. Yeah. That's the reason when people try to give low key money, I, I've either returned it to make them understand like, hey, I need to make sure you fully understand you're giving me the money, not the network, not Spangle. It's going yeah. just to me. So when you're doing that like that. So most of the time when I do get money, I've been using it just for things I need to like either broadcast better. That's the only thing I've ever used the money for. Uh, I think I, I bought. Um, uh, Vince at that microphone and, you know, and he needs another headset. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's maybe like that's a, where, where a lot of it and a humidifier. Right. That's basically <laughs> what I use a lot of the Patreon money maybe, for. Maybe. Right. Like, so, but, but it's, but the other thing with the contract that was also bad that you wouldn't even sign either is the, uh, the idea that they own his uh, social media presence. Oh, no, no, no way. See, see, you would have just went red line. No. Uh, you don't good. own my content, and you don't own my channels. Yeah, they want they want that. absolutely not. They got, they got that because the the biggest asset that we are libertarians has mm-hmm. is the Chris Spangle Show RSS feed. Oh, if you sign with the and if you signed with Daily Wire, you lose your biggest that's asset. Theirs. That's theirs. Your next biggest asset is your social media presence because yeah. if you will lock me out of my own accounts mm-hmm. and I have to start over. It's fine. You, you, no, that's that's insane. It's fine. When you leave the dealer, you'll be famous, right? No, allegedly. He's hopefully he's. I'm on Crowder's side now, yeah. Because he is he is doing them a favor by bringing new audience. Yeah. Not. It's not the other way around. Like Crowder existed before the Daily Wire. Crowder, yeah. the Daily Wire can exist partly because of David uh, David Crowder. That's the Christian musician, <laughs> Stephen Crowder's building of the alt. You know, not the alt right, but the new rights. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah, yeah. it's it, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a terrible contract. Like, that's like Stephen Crowder, black musicians in the fifties contract. Yeah, Crowder. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, basically, yes, yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, a Crowder will be on Tim Pool's podcast at eight p.m. Uh, uh, on Monday. So he basically called it a slave contract and called them out. And then Jeremy Boring, the CEO of the Daily Wire, did what? Um, so like, uh, well, like when he first did it, he just kind of called it the big cons, just big, like a big conservative out there that they're going out there. He didn't really name names, right? But like in the space, there's not many places he could have gone. So people assumed it's either he went to either this from the, he said it wasn't the blaze. So it's either Daily Wire, Fox News, or Newsmax. Right. Right. And, uh, and then a lot of people go like, wait a minute, you know, cause they were looking at the contract. There's no way this is a Newsmax because people from Newsmax are like, that's not one of our contracts. There's no way they had that much money. Right. Yeah. Daily Wire like, that's has what, that's what, and so it finally was just like this. Everyone was just speculating. This is the Daily Wire. So Jeremy Boring got out in front, you know, and unfortunately, like also released payment numbers too, you know, like, yep, this is our contract. This is our standard contract. And, um, was basically gone trying to go on air and basically painted themselves in a great light. This is well, this is basically our initial contract. He's supposed to take his lawyer to go redline it, and go through negotiations. But yeah, and Crowder has lawyers. He can do that. He's probably has done that. We don't know proof. He, we don't know, but either. But we also know in the initial contracting phase that he's looked at that and, and tossed it back at him. It's like. I don't know what that is. Give me a real offer. I don't want your boilerplate crap. And there's like, no, we always do this. It's standard boilerplate to them because Daily Wire is a machine that prints money. It is, they are. Where do they get their money from? So the 
Daily Wire is not some tiny little uh, Chris Bangle ex person sitting in, a, in in their house trying to build a network. This is Jeremy Boring and the Daily Wire Bench Bro. They got a, a billionaire backing with fracking money. They've got money. That's how that. That's why everything looks nice. Everything's popular. They've got. They also got connections with it because if you've got a billionaire backing you, you've also have networking abilities. Billionaires talk to other billionaires, just like you know, the rest of you guys talk to each other because you're around the same economic interests. So you talk. You you have. To, you have to have a sugar daddy if you're building something like this, right? And you actually talk to other sugar daddies. So, like, like how does like Daily Wire keep be able to to put ads on Facebook because they talk to other billionaires who do some stuff on Facebook, so they help you get you past get your foot in the door. You know? Yeah, the difference. So, in in media, for instance, like when National Review was started, uh, William F. Buckley started a nonprofit, made it tax deductible, found a bunch of rich people to donate money, and that's how he started it. Mm-hmm. And they always lost money if if it hadn't been for the foundation. Like, Reason has a foundation. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. You you cannot survive on advertising alone. And so your, your, all, your options are start a media company, mm-hmm. and it becomes a one-man band based on advertising like Leo Laporte and Twitch, Twit, This Week in Tech, that survives on advertising, mm-hmm. which is now struggling because he doesn't do the tracking data, which all advertisers now want in podcasting. And now he has to do memberships, yep. and he has to get listener support, which he never had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he never scaled into being a CNET because then, you know, but Barstool is a different example. So, like, Barstool scaled, mm-hmm. bootstrapped itself one at a time, mm-hmm. did it with, you know, the front facing camera, got some advertisers, got some few content creators, and then sold their product to Sugar Daddies. Yep. Which now are owned by head fund, hedge funds, which is a double edged sword. Because look at the Indie Star. There's like five people that work there. The content sucks. Nobody reads the newspaper because they don't have enough staff because the hedge fund's trying to bleed it dry for to to return to shareholders. Correct. Yeah. But when you're on the upswing and you're barstool and you're culturally relevant and you're hot, it's gangbusters. And so they'll give you whatever they want. But then as soon as it, the flip the script flips. Mm-hmm. And you're no longer hot, mm-hmm. and your luster barstool in ten years, mm-hmm. twenty years maybe, will be they'll just be liquidating, trying to squeeze yeah. money out of selling it, selling off, selling at right. like access that they have. So just how it works. Yeah. And so Daily Wire is hot, and so that's why you see the content choices that they make. Is it sounds like they've got somebody that they've got to pay. They they can't choose the ideological. They got to pay salary yeah. and they got to pay investors. Correct. And they're also the one of the bigger thing is the players of and in in the liberty esque space. Yeah, Republican. Yeah, Republican. They're, they're, they're not liberty. Don't right? you You're put right. liberty? Yeah, on they're that. the Republican X space. Like so, like Tim Pool, right? Like he he bootstrapped that all. He saved it to the, you know his apartment. Yeah. He, that's all his cash coming into him. He's paying that. He does he he does not want to be holding. But like Tim Pool did a lot of good things. Talk about numbers. Him and Luke. Like I always thought he, like Tim Pool was paying Luke to be there. Luke would ask if we are change uh was on tim pool all the time and he's like no luke stays independent doesn't take any of tim's money but T- luke can leave when he comes when he wants leave when he wants right. run his own t-shirt company do all the other stuff and he owns all that but still gets to go to tim pool's show and yeah. be there all the time as a co-host you know it's the same thing it's basically the same thing basically i've got the almost the exact same contract as luke does so i could do what i want with my show that's uh, on purpose too like we're friends this mm-hmm. is a friend like yeah. We're never going to. I'm not going to say never, but we're not going to scale this into a daily wire where we have 
probably angel investors. Yeah. It's a personal lifestyle business mm-hmm. where you get to choose what you want to do because it's fun, right? Correct. I, but yeah. I don't know. We, you never know what the future holds, but like yeah. the reality is like for me, the fundamental relationship that I have with this show and this network has changed because part of my revenue depends on it. And there are points like last year where I was like, I've got to talk to, I talked to patrons last January to decide if I wanted to even keep doing this. And the answer was, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I got through last year. I had a lot of challenges. We had a lot of challenges. We got through 21 and 22. And now we can kind of get back to the content that we created, even though we're a little, little damaged from the breaks. But like, I have an, I have a financial incentive to produce content. And so it's a second job for me mm-hmm. where it isn't for you. You get to hang out and have fun. Correct. Yeah. But I've got to have content. So you can say, I've got to do yoga on Saturday. <laughs> so I can't have a, sh- I can't do a show. And then I've got to go, well, I've got to have something in the feed to, to make sure these advertisers get their numbers so I can get the checks that I need to, to, pay these bills so. yeah I, I wish i sometimes could see your face when i do like can't do this saturday gotta do yoga you just like i, I don't <laughs> mind no because no like, i know it's because yeah. this is, t- twice a month is perfect we come here we burn a whole day half yeah. a day mm-hmm. so i don't want to do that every week no. you know but if you know like the one i'm working on for next week i'm working on chunks days at a time well, we'll you know. probably end up doing it every week once, you know, I, I see 2025, you know, if everything goes yeah. perfect, because right now everyone is seeing it. Like I've been, we, we've talked about this for a long time and 2023 is being the year of the calling of the, the fake businesses, the Kotaku, mm-hmm. the people have been humbled with hedge funds and fake ad yeah. revenue as ad sales are dropping around everywhere. Everyone, you know, it's no like joke to anyone. Like it's it, a culling is happening and it is, it, and it's shuttering a lot of like game journals and everywhere, everywhere else. It's a lot of layoffs like everyone watched elon musk lay off all those people at twitter and watch the machine keep going and they're going like you know what same i'm gonna do the exact same yeah thing. i mean kudos to him i was wrong he he fired all those people and those people didn't do dick apparently yeah they didn't do anything <laughs> they don't do anything because it's just a micro bug you so what you need a few infrastructure engineers and some engineers to work on code yeah what else you do and an it support staff that's what needs to get that thing up and going everything else is just fluff Fluff. Yeah. You don't need like five, fifteen. Like you don't need a twenty person HR HR department. You can outsource a lot of that stuff. So what has Tim Pool said about it? What like what the 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 um the upcoming like ad apocalypse no. or the the Daily Wire thing? Uh, so start we, with start with Daily Wire and then talk about the apocalypse. Oh, uh, so like he had, you know. By twist of fate, had Candace Owen on Friday, on uh, was it Thursday, right? Which I despise Candace Owens, didn't watch the show. I'm sorry. I, I despise Candace Owens. Yeah. I can't, I can't stand her. I can't stand her. I can't stand her. I can't stand her. I just can't stand her. So I haven't watched that episode. I've seen some clips, but I, but every time she talks, it's just, ah, oh, <laughs> can't stand her. Um, but, but they're going over it. Um, and it's, because right now, like everyone's in the space, because everyone's also upset because um, the idea that like up in arms that uh, Crowder recorded the session uh, between him and Jeremy Boring. Yeah, and it was I can't believe recorded. I was like, uh, listen here, uh, all I business- would record it, but I wouldn't release it. I, yeah, I would. Re- I don't know. If I, I don't know unless I had something damning. Tammy that need to be out there. Yeah, I wouldn't release it either. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with him recording. Like, trust me. Like, I work in a b- industry we record 
everything, every every contract negotiation, everything. Every time I've ever had a contract negotiation, I have recorded it. I in with big contracts that the company have, we burn it to Blu-ray disc and it sits in a safe. Okay, we have this audio of this contract that we just signed with you. All right, we everything is stored. We've got this. Right, uh, but. The idea of releasing it, yes, it wasn't a break of trust of friendship like that for two friends, but was they ever friends or just business partners, you know? Yeah, potential business. They may not, may, may know each other in passing. Yeah, yeah. And he probably also knew, like, he probably also understood that once I release this video, I'm burning this bridge, but he also probably realized, like, the bridge is probably already burned. He's yeah. not going to be able to work with him. And like I said, like, when it comes to everything, the, the mug clubbers are, or clubbers are, they are a, group they are strong they will sit together he can get people to go into physical spaces sell out crowds in bfe towns so he's he can get people to transfer from the online space to in real life so i'm sure he's he he's got what he needs i think the one thing that crowder needs is it people hit me up Crowder. if you need somebody you, you could do a lot of this stuff on your own you just you got to decide how rich you want to be right well that's the things that we're like with spangle and the stuff we're doing like here's like I'm, uh, I'm building some of the infrastructure like what we do with low key is just building doing r&d and building infrastructure just, mm-hmm. just to show like hey if these different systems don't want to play ball like we can go to our own. Like I would, I can't wait to like, like the big wall show, right. Is like, we have this stuff. We play with the community guidelines and you know, like cool. If you want to continue more, you know, go to the actual website and then we're just going to like, we're going to let loose so we can actually have people on to show really neat things. and Not worry about getting kicked off the internet. Yeah. You know, know? it's, and that's what he's used to doing with mug club because like, okay, piss off YouTube and they go over to mug club. And it's, it's an amazing thing. And it, it tar- if you, it if you have reached, if you have reached pool or Crowder's levels, mm-hmm. you, you have a choice to make. Yeah. You can do what pool does, have a nice house, have a nice car, mm-hmm. take vacations probably when you want. Yeah. S- save a ton of money in your 401k, mm-hmm. have a really good 10 years mm-hmm. and never really have to work again. And you always ha- he will always have an audience. Yes, he has reached critical mass. Mm-hmm. He never has to worry about having people pay his bills. Now, is he probably buying two houses and villas in France? No, no. But Crowder sounds like he wants the villa in France and the Rush Limbaugh money, where he is buying half of the Buffalo Bills. And uh, right, like I don't think that's what Crowder wants to do. I don't. I think the Daily Wire is going for that direction. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. I think. I honestly, I I really do believe that Crowder wants to like, to, you know, like he's either it's a grip, but it does feel like he's in it to to culturally change America to go more right than anything else. I think the that's thing what he that, wants to do. The thing you have to realize is like a view is a view is a view. Mm-hmm. Okay, and y- if you can get. Um, you can spend six months mm-hmm. working on a really cool video mm-hmm. and you can spend $5,000 on a videographer to make that cool video happen. But in the world we're in now, you can get those same 10,000 views from talking into a microphone with a nice lighted background. Yes. Right? So if if you are talented like mm-hmm. crowder is talented yes what do you really need right like so i i don't know i guess that's where i look right. at it and i go do, do you know 50 i'm not i'm not 
bagging on the guy for money. Like if I could get fifty million dollars from a contract, I would. If I, I, I wouldn't give up what he was asked to give up. It just wouldn't happen. Like I wouldn't be owned outright by a, a different network. He's not a nobody who needs the Daily Wire for institutional lift. Like I applied at some point over the last couple of years, three years, to other media outlets. Mm-hmm. And I got kind of a quasi offer from one of them. Oh, and I you did that. Yeah. And I decided not to do it because it was going to cost me this. Mm. And I make a good living doing this, doing consulting, and doing my full-time job. But the institutional lift of having gone and worked at one of those places, or all, both of those places, um, I would have been like, not just a, just a dude with a podcast out in the Midwest, you're now a blue check mark because you're attached to this institution, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the different, like, so your marketability as a content creator, because of your association with, you know, if you're a young writer, right, one of these young voices folks, you want to get published in the Wall Street Journal, in the uh, National Review, Reason Magazine, because you're using their institutional lift to build your own chops, right? It's like conservatives say, the New York Times said... Well, no, it was that journalist that wrote that thing that said that, right? Um, so, you know, part of my career has been, do I go work for an institution and give up the independence to get the name attached to my name so other people will find me more marketable? Or do I keep kind of chugging along over time and build my own audience? You know, um, I've lost a step over the last couple of years, to be frank, uh, just because I've got a family now. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it more likely that at some point I have to go work for somebody else to kind of keep the money rolling in. But for now, I don't have to. Bob and Tom lets me do what I want. I, I do a good job for them. It leaves me time to go do my podcast. It helps me start other podcasts for other people. Like, I've got a good, I've got a good setup here, right? So. Yeah. You know, but if you're if you're Crowder, you are the institution. Mm-hmm. You don't need the Daily Wire. He doesn't. No, he does not. Need, and I think he's. A, I, it takes him a while. To, I think he's probably just realized that after that, or someone's probably sat him to the side, like, "Hey, you don't need these things." It's just like you. Like you're almost at that point where, like, you know, like, you, you know, like. If someone did offer the contract, do you have to do that? It's like you know what, guys, come in here. We need to, you know, we need to get an ad revenue. Someone need to manage the ad company because we need somebody to go out and get us ads. We need right. uh, uh, like uh, like Harry and Reinhold go out and get our IT space set up. We're going to do this, or uh, we're not doing this. You know, yeah, you know, I'm not going this way. You know? I mean, that's part of like Nichols is really pushing me to have that conversation. Like, where are we going to take this? Um, but it requires me to do more logistical work behind the scenes and mm-hmm. business manager stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to the content creation, which is what I really enjoy. Like my bliss yeah. is what I did last night, which was researching and reading and writing a script. Yeah. Like, and I lost track of time. I lost track of what was going on in my house. I was focused in on writing this episode for next week, this history research. Like that's my fun. You're, you have a choice. Like, you can do that, or you can do working with the sponsor to make sure that and, the copyrights are point and mm-hmm. make sure that you're paid and that he's yeah. paid. Right. So, yeah. like, the, the challenge if you're a small creator is like, 
the balance between business stuff and the content creation that you love. Yeah. And I really do feel now that we've got this studio, I know we're talking like the numbers stuff in front of people, mm-hmm. but the, I think now that you've got the studio and this ad apocalypse is going to go through, get rid of the fake stuff. Yeah. Right. And then next year, 2024, getting close to the election season, the real, like the people are going to check people who actually have a real crowd. We're yeah. bringing real people in. And I feel like we could probably get a little bit more here and that'll will be allow you to think about doing, putting more into this. Yeah. And the idea of hiring that business manager so you don't work for that business I'll, manager. I'll be, that business manager works for you. I'll be mostly debt-free by the end of the year. Yeah. And so, that will be a huge blessing and mm-hmm. a lot of work. And that means that that frees cash up to put it into other stuff. <laughs> but you know what? When it comes to the adpocalypse, so basically what's happening now is all of these – there's been a rush to content for the last five or six years, yes. especially post-pandemic. Yeah. And, and streaming so, services. Right. Streaming so, services. so like in the podcasting world, you see like all of these people who you're like, Jamie Lee Curtis is doing a podcast because all of these major investors and hedge funds are putting money into buying people who can gather a crowd quickly. It's the same as the movie industry, right? Like, so the movie industry is showing you Top Gun 48 because they know that you're not going to go see Harry and the Devil Dance in the Moonlight, right? Because yeah. you don't know what that's about, but you know Top Gun's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these actors, like Ben Affleck is starting his own studio, I think, with Matt Damon to, like, make movies. So you're just making movies for the love of making movies, and we don't care about making that much money. As long as everybody gets paid and we have enough to keep the business going and mm-hmm. make the next movie cool, but we're not trying to make Marvel's Avengers 87. Um, you know, and so because we are libertarians and I've been very intentional about this, um, we've never lived off of ads. Mm -hmm. Ads are really nice when we get them. They can help fund, you know, other things and they can be a nice payout for our hosts, but we have never depended on the ads. We've always depended on the audience that we bring. The audience that we bring has shrunk a little bit over the last year. And that is my fault. Um, but it's still enough. We still have enough patrons to make sure that everything's paid. And we're now getting the content to a point where we know how to create a crowd. We know how to bring people Mm -hmm. to this podcast and stay interested in it. You know, adjustments have been made and Mm -hmm. now we, we can get back to where we were in 2017, 2018, right? Yeah. Um, our biggest number ever, our biggest numbers ever were 2020 and we'll get back there in 2024, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the other thing that's happened. So yeah. what's happened in the podcast industry is you you have a the majority of people are like us workhorse podcasters that do it for the love of the craft, and uh, you see like four million podcasts, two million podcasts. Seventy five percent of those are not producing episodes and not non-existent, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a smaller number like us who are kind of the workhorses, and then there's like the elite of about probably 600, 700 podcasts. It's less than a 1,000 podcasts that get all the headlines, yep. that get all the attention, the Joe Rogans, the How I Met Your Mother Bear House guys, yeah, what yeah. It, right? Like there's less than a 1,000 of those. And I'm on two of them, by the way. With uh, Well, I'm, I manage one of them, and I'm on another uh, we are in the top like fifteen hundred for this for the Chris Spangle show, which is still an, a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it's huge, yeah. Um, so, but what what's happened over the last two years is as investors, the major ad companies, the major ad agencies said, "Okay, the Daily Wire can make money, then we can make money 
with these radio companies that are moving in like iHeart and Cumulus and um, podcast companies that have grown like Amazon's now starting a podcast company. People are now creating content. So like the, like a lot of like the mid tier to lower upper middle money investors Mm kind of said, well, if movies aren't being made, we can for a fraction of the cost, make a podcast with the same qual with the same writers, the same actors, Mm -hmm. but scripted and make, the same amount of money that we would with a major release, but have way less overhead, mm-hmm. way less, you know, so that's why all this money's kind of moved in to build all this new technology. That's why we went from never being able to get any of our revenue from ads to now ads paying a significant amount of uh, our costs. And like, frankly, last month I was able to pay off a credit card because we had a nut, we had three advertisers, Right, so Which, the guy that was on today paid our internet bill. I'm mm-hmm. going to give Harry cash uh, for the next three months of internet because he was here. So, you know, because we have gathered a crowd and we have an audience, and you know, we ran a test, and these these people came to me. This major advertising company mm-hmm. um, that advertises all over the place, and they ordered one episode. Of three of our shows. And I said to them, I will do this and I will take your some hundred hundred dollars or whatever, but you're asking for one episode. I don't know what that's going to do. Advertising requires repetition. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this audience did so well with that tiny, tiny order Mm -hmm. that we secured a longer, bigger run this fall when that big ad agency wants to do it. So a mid-tier podcast. So I was told two years ago, oh, you've only got these tens of thousands of downloads for your network. There's no ad agency that's going to look at you. Hmm. And uh, you have to be in the hundreds of thousands a month. Well, now mm-hmm. it's it's like they're they're going, well, if we get... 35 of these mm-hmm. that are in the right demo we want, then you're in the hundreds of thousands, right? So they, these ad companies have hired a bunch of staff. So there's all kinds of revenue coming into podcasting, mm-hmm. but there's a bunch of companies that like people have pumped investor money into to try and be the first, the Facebook of podcasting. Yeah. And they're all about to collapse. Correct. Yes. So, you know, like there's a company here called Casted. And I'm not casting aspersions on them. Uh, the, there's a company called High Alpha that invests in homegrown companies. They've put a lot of money into this podcast host. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be sink or swim time for them. Are you offering a different enough product at a cheap enough price that enough people, when they go, you know what? I had this podcast. I, I did it for a year and a half. I've got 35 episodes. I've been paying this bill for 60 bucks a month to keep this out there. Mm-hmm. Ah, money's tight. I got to cancel it. Right. And when all those cancellations tumble in this year, as we go through a recession, mm-hmm. you're going to see podcast company after podcast company kind of dry up because we've right. ended the merger. So what happened over the last two years was mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Everybody started a company in 2017 and 2018 for podcasting, mm-hmm. starting a host or a transcription service or a headliner that creates, you know, some little gadget that you spend five bucks a month. And then their, their goal was not to make profit. Their goal was to get bought out by 
other major companies or Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Same with different shows. Big shows like, you know, I don't know who listens to Alexandra Cooper on Spotify, but she got a major contract. And so now these big companies are going, hey, we got to lay off 30,000 people. Lay off the podcast division. They only bring in one thirty seconth of the of the stupid thing yeah. of the of the total budget. So let's just kill that division off. Um, and so you're going to have all these companies that got bought out start shutting down. Companies that are in the early stages of starting shut down. You're going to have. So you're just going to. It's like basically social media two thousand and eight yeah. nine yeah nine. And you're going to end up with, in about four years, three years, five or six companies that control podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Spotify. It's going to be Amazon. It's going to be um, uh, Libsyn, mm-hmm. which I, I think is owned by a major conglomerate. It's going to be, you know, yeah. that's why I'm on Megaphone. That product's not going anywhere. Yes, yeah, I go, yes. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, like, we were on Fireside, which I loved, but Fireside's not. I mean, they're, they're not evolving, they're right? St- they're not stable, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, but the the danger of that is those five companies now control distribution and advertising and start implementing brand safety and start controlling what content you get. And so mm-hmm. podcasting is like 10, 15 years behind where the social media craze was. And we will get to the point where when we're in the middle of doing a freaking gun episode, yeah. you'll just see your podcast episode disappear. It's happened to people like Pete Quinones, mm-hmm. where their episodes just are gone off of Spotify. Yeah, But that's why Adam Curry, who, who invented podcasting, has started the Podcast Index and Podcasting 2.0 to like build an infrastructure that... In, like creates an insurance against that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like RSS feeding and doing like that from the site. That's why like putting in the email list, cause you can get the RSS feed pure from that and yeah. from that or just as a perfect, like I think the, all right, before, like just in case anyone decides to like, cause it's going to probably happen this year or sometime like that. Someone's going to go like a blockchain based podcast distribution. Don't do that. We actually have a great technology. If you want a decentralized way to share podcasts or videos around, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's very complicated. It's not, it's a, uh, what is it called? Uh, I just lost it. I'm having a brain fart right now. I know. Well, stay, yeah, stay, uh, stay tuned because the reality of this is that three years ago, four years ago, there was no way that I could consider doing this full time. But now we're at the point where as long as you live a, a, a life that is so, not, can I afford to get you to go full time? We'll see. That may take ten years, but yeah. it all depends on how many people join the Patreon and what kind of uh, show we can build and how, how many funding mechanisms. It really just comes down to the crowd supporting us. Yeah. Like if you love content creators, if you listen this far, two hours into this stupid podcast, yeah. you're one of those people. Pitch in five bucks. Yeah. It, it's not a lot to you, but it, it cumulatively cumulatively means a lot to us. So. It'd be like a month of lawyers going back and forth for temperature in the office for me to go full time. I will not yeah. say that. <laughs> well, look, when you when you do shows and mm-hmm. you get more downloads, that means I get more revenue and you get more revenue, right? So, like, it's, hear that low key key key, key yeah. low key. He actually likes us. It's he, he doesn't really hate no, us. No, I hear all the trash that you talk. That's my <laughs> coffee maker, by the way. That's not your coffee maker. <laughs> Um, but you know, that's really what it comes down to. It's like the more, like, even if you're not listening to this show anymore, just keep it on there and keep the downloads going. Basically what has happened in the last year Mm -hmm. is 
every single podcast except for freaks, top tier freaks, have seen a 25% shedding of all of their download numbers. Every podcast I manage, Mm -hmm. down 25%, 10 to 25%. Mm -hmm. Um, Big ones, little ones. It's just because the major company now that now controls how podcast downloads are calculated Mm -hmm. changed one thing. And so everybody within about a month lost Mm -hmm. like 20%. So like I go back and look at episode numbers from like two years ago and I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay. I have to remember the the centralization companies have have changed a couple things because yeah. those the the people like like what what's disturbed me is the amount of people that have dropped their Patreon over the last couple months. But we're going into a recession. Mm-hmm. I get it if you have to do that. But if you're listening out there, bump up your level, join. Yeah. You know, help help us kind of keep growing and keep mm-hmm. going because that Patreon is the number one way that I judge. Like, are people talking back to us? Are people interested in what we're doing? Are people, you know, going to support us? Can how much time do I invest in this? Is based on Patreon. Yeah, how, what the quality of the shows, all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. Um, and thanks to Michael Riley for joining this month. We really appreciate it. So, all right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, when you're going out there, uh, when just like a Spangle, like I, I try to explain it to him um, one night, like and he would annoy it at me, but he does, you know, it's one of the things like I'm very proud, uh, annoying him enough that he's probably adjusted. The hard road into something is probably the best road when starting something. Um, it's not perfect, but perfect is the enemy of completion of getting done. The idea of just because this is the hard way to do something it's going to teach you something. So when you, when you go to something easy or simple, that doesn't just not rob from you. So a lot of people who did go into a lot of these podcast platforms are used to the easy button. I hit upload everything else is done and stuff like that. Or if you went to a network, you're not used to it. You never have to do it. It, It's, it robs you that knowledge of having to sign that up. So you are controlled. It's exactly right. The difference between me and most other podcasters is that I did all this on myself, Mm -hmm. all myself. So now people are paying me hundreds of dollars an hour to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And some of the people that I talk to are like, not not just my day job, but like, yeah. I mean, like people that you, you have heard of are like, all right, I need this skill. Yeah. And so if you learn Adobe, anything mm-hmm. in Adobe, mm-hmm. just start doing it as a hobby yeah. or even Canva, creating graphics. Oh yeah, Canva's huge. Yeah. Start a podcast just to get good at talking and researching mm-hmm. and studying like, yeah. That marketable skill can can really yeah. work out well for you. Like Excel, if you're an Excel expert, like you could put that in your resume. Like I'm just an ex- expert at Excel formulas. Most companies will probably hire you just to have you on retainer. Or <laughs> here's like this is our Excel expert right here. Go ahead and do the do your VB magic, you know, because it's you know a lot, lot of companies just work in those spreadsheets. But yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm sure, and it's just going to get. I, I don't I don't want to say worse, but it's going to be like that. Like Spangle is eventually going to you know mostly just do podcast like consulting because more and more people are just like, what do you mean? I can't just sign up and just hit this button or I don't want to sign up because now this platform is wanting everything of my product. Dude, how do I, do edit, this, I know do how to solo? edit podcasts. Yeah. And so people who don't want to mess with editing and uploading podcasts, mm-hmm. it, you get one for like a couple hundred bucks a month or three hundred, four, five, six hundred dollars a month. Right. Yeah. But you get 10 of those people. You, mm-hmm. you've got either a great, livable income for yourself or enough that feeds your family right so like you are uh, like i help people start podcasts i consult people 
on, on their existing podcast, do audit. So if you've got a podcast, you pay me to kind of like go through and then I give you a list of here's what you need to do differently to grow. Mm-hmm. And then I edit podcasts and I love, ed- I love editing podcasts because a, I learn from other people's shows, but it creates this great recurring revenue mm-hmm. that you can make. And if you've got like five or seven of those people, mm-hmm. you're doing great. And so the next thing is creating a course. So I'm working on a course. So this year I'm going to have like, all right, you can't afford to hire me for time to create your podcast or do the work for you. Like, here's how I do it. Like over at podcasting and uh, platforms, Mm -hmm. if you go to the website, you can sign up. Like I'm doing, I'm talking about how I'm creating all this stuff, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You enjoyed this and you're still listening to this. Like that's what that monetized paywall show is. Mm -hmm. Or you can join 25 and up for, for the wall Patreon to get those weekly episodes where I'm just going to start talking about my podcasting career and see what ideas it sparks for you. Yeah. But Harry's exactly right. Like Starting a podcast as a hobby mm-hmm. for fun with my friends led to a great revenue stream for me and a career. At, mm-hmm. But I've dreamed about working with Bob and Tom since I was eight years old. Yeah. And podcasting and building my own website gave me the skills to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And now, over time, I have independence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, insurance would be uh, it'd be a problem with insurance if I left my day job. But like, I could, I could, if I got laid no. off there tomorrow, I could survive. Like, no, I'd the, be, we'd be okay. Some of the, um, uh, it's going to get to like the weeds of small businesses. Some of the small businesses accounting information that you have, they have uh, small business health insurance pools for people. For small single person companies, mm-hmm. so you probably will spend the same amount and get the exact same type of insurance because they pull you with all the single um, employee companies. But you have, but all your all your information is go to like this one company though. But you know, you get your insurance. I, I, I can show you stuff after this. But like the other thing, like with Loki, like I always wanted the information on like how do like like because Twitch made it so easy to and in YouTube too made it so easy to stream. What if I just wanted to do it on my own? So that's what Loki did. We. Spin up a server, figure out how hard it was, how difficult it was, what did we need to do that? And then it's like, okay, what if we wanted to build the Netflix or something like that, put things with paywall? Yeah, we could figure out how to do that. Yeah, we did it. We've got it. We've got it sitting here in the back burner. You know, have we, you know, but we just wanted to know how to do it because if we ever do it, it's going to be, we'll probably do some with the easy button, but we want to make sure that we're not beholden to whoever we went with easy button and go like, ha, huh, what are you going to do? Leave? Boop. Yes, That's we own the domain. We all that I've ever world. wanted. For us and for myself yep. is just freedom. Yep. It's just I have a great place that I work. I get a lot of freedom. They're mm-hmm. awesome to work for. But they also control my schedule. <laughs> and I have to wake up at five fifty every day. So so it's like all I've all I've been working towards for the last decade has been freedom. And it's totally possible in, in the internet age where there's the ability to kind of get into this stuff and, and start working at it. You you eventually get good enough that people will listen to you and pay you. So, uh, all right. Thanks so much for joining us here. Please support our advertisers. Please uh, support us on Patreon. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're, I, I hope Harry one day can have a $50 million contract with the network. Uh, do it for Harry. Even if you don't like me, everybody likes Harry. So, all right. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. My voice is officially done can you hear how weak my voice has gotten yeah, yeah yeah so we need to go this podcast was produced and edited by chris spangle and leaders and legends llc if you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.